This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. We're doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for, gosh, 28 years. Now, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock that you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, let me get the phone number. You can call in. Uh, we usually do uh, things ahead of time, about 10, 15, 20 minutes, talking about different important things you need to know about. But the phone numbers, write these down, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And let me give you a tip, probably around 915 or so, uh, call in so that you're not uh, waiting online for a long time. Uh, that way they can get to you first, uh, 866-577-2473. 2473. And as always, I'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, formal opinion about what you want to talk about. Well, good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Doing good. God, my computer just seems to be moving slow lately. I don't know what's really? going on. Is it the computer or the site? I don't know. I, I, I'm on Facebook trying to, to share everything right now to our different pages, but uh, yeah, it's just moving slow. But uh, yeah. we're, we're good now. So we're, we're ready to rock and we're roll. We're ready to rock and roll. And I got papers all over. Brendan's here. I guess something I screwed up. I don't know what's going on. Are we okay there? <laughs> <laughs> I got the thumbs up, so I guess we'll get it. <laughs> so, well, well, let's talk about uh, what happened this past week, as always. And as I said, about uh, 9.15, 9, oh, no, 8.15. What I know, yeah. <laughs> 8.15, 8.20, we start taking the phone calls. But, uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of positives that you can find from the uh, whole COVID-19 virus. But there was one that I found this past week that's a positive. And as you know, I'm against this thing. I, I'm just very irritating to me what's happened. Uh, to our economy and so forth. But one positive I found was Americans will be seeing their car insurance rates drop this year, 2021. Yeah, it, it's nice. I mean, as you said, a little bit more money in your, your pocket there. And funny, no places to really spend it just yet. <laughs> but hey, uh, they're, they're estimated to drop by an average of 4%. And interesting thing here, this is the first decline since 2013. And it'll take effect as customers renew their existing policies. I will say I, I am curious to see what happens next year because I, I can tell you I was driving uh, to get my hair cut yesterday after right. work and I was like, wow, there's some traffic here. I don't know if there was an accident or there's right. some buildup, but it seems like there's more cars on the road. And for people that are, well, why did the rates drop? It's not because the insurance companies are just being nice. There's <laughs> the, there's some things that involved with, uh, you know, kind of estimating things based on different mileage and accidents and people on the road. So since there was so much less people on the road last year, yeah, the rates dropped. That's why I'm curious. Next year, I think if the economy comes back like we think it will, I would not be surprised to yeah. see rates increase. And, and I drive down here, what, uh, 7.15, I think I get on the road, and I come down from North Poway. And um, this morning, I mean, I'm doing 75, and I had to keep slowing down. People keep getting my way. It's like there's a lot of traffic on the road at 7, 7.30 in the morning on a Saturday morning. Where, where's everybody going? Uh, you, oh, I know what it is. They're in the cars so they can listen to the Smart Investing Show. That, that's probably it. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, good news on the on the rates being dropped. And I was wondering too if people are going to notice a difference of four percent drop. I mean, you know, if you're paying what uh, hey, hundred bucks a month, let's say it's four dollars. Yeah, you'll pay ninety six. <laughs> yeah. So we told you the good news. Hey, so it's a, it's a, a latte at Starbucks. Actually, it won't even cover that. <laughs> yeah, it won't. <laughs> you put that tax everything else. So, well, hey, I, I was surprised uh, that Jeff De- Bezos uh, stepping down as CEO of Amazon. It appears the market is not too worried about it. Remember, look at this. The, the, the move as a stock was relatively flat when they announced earnings, and that news came out. Nothing really changed. And, and I believe many people think that he will still be heavily involved in his role of executive chairman, but that's not really the case. And I, and I think you got some comment from somebody. People don't understand the corporate structure. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's kind of explain that to people how the board works, the, the uh, CEO, and how this really works. But I'm going to let you kick in here. I mean, I'm going to say, <clears throat> well, it's interesting kind of not to get off on a tangent here, but, you know, right. Bob Iger did the same thing at Disney. He's now kind of no longer the CEO. But uh, point being here is the way that the, the stru- corporate structure works, CEO, I mean, that's that's the top of the, the food chain there. You yes. make pretty much all the executive operation de- decisions. And just in case people don't know, that stands for Chief executive officer. I'm sure there's somebody out there listening to that. Well, what does CEO stand for? Chief yeah. executive officer. It means you are the chief. And then the board, they're kind of there. I'm going to say the board's there to pretty much protect shareholders, to make yep. sure that they're not doing anything that's out of the, the normal, uh, that, you know, they're kind of there as a check and balance. And, you know, different people are there to maybe provide some ideas. And generally when you pull on the board, you'll pull in other people. Like, um, you know, if you're like people want creative, oh, we'll right. pull in the, the <clears throat> Disney CEO to be on our board as well. Right. So you get different ideas of, of intelligent people and so forth. So now Bezos is going to be essentially the executive chairman on the board to oversee the company as well. So he's not really going to be as involved, I believe, in the operations of the business. He'll still be there to kind of pitch some ideas perhaps, but I, I just don't see him being as active as, as he was. Yeah, and you say he'll be there to pitch some ideas. I, I kind of almost say no, because again, the, you're right. The board is what represents the shareholders. They make sure that nothing crazy or we have seen some things happen when the board's not doing their jobs. And you see that when something goes wrong, they say, well, where was the board? Uh, the board is supposed to make sure that the, the company, the executives are doing what's in the best interest of the shareholders. So the chief uh, um, executive uh, chairman, executive chairman, um, he he's over the board, make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. That's what he runs. So I'm sure Jeff Bezos might come in with an idea or two, but he has really no business with the day-to-day operations. Uh, and also, too, the CEO can say, thanks, Jeff. Uh, we'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to take it, you know, uh, because now it's his show. Yeah. And, and the thing is, if Jeff Bezos comes with an idea, uh, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Uh, and if it's bad... You're the CEO. You took it. Well, you can't say, "Well, well, Jeff said this." It was his. No, well, he's he's the uh, you know executive sh- uh, chair there. So, yeah. um, he, he will not be part of the company. He will be there, but he has a lot of other projects he's doing, and he is an entrepreneur. And th- there are many times this does happen to where they get bored of the management, which is what the CEO is doing. Um, it is a huge company, so it's not where he can be creative. And I I think that's why he's kind of leaving to do other things where he can maybe, I, I mean, because. It's impressive. What nineteen ninety? He was running this thing in his, his garage. Yeah, and now here we, you know, it's like okay, I'm done. I want, I want to do something more exciting for me. Well, and and let me read you kind of a, a direct quote from his uh, email letter to employees. Uh, and this is kind of <clears throat> what we're talking about here that that worries us about his engagement. He says, as exec chair, I will stay engaged in important Amazon initiatives 
but also have the time and energy I need to focus on the Day One Fund, the Bezos Earth Fund, Blue Origin, the Washington Post, and my other passions. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And that what that tells me is, well, you know, I've already built Amazon. I've already done this. You know, as you said, he's an entrepreneur. He's got that mindset. Well, what else can I do? I know Blue Origin. I mean, that, I think that's something to do with space again. Yeah. I think he wants to do something else that is going to be transformative. He's like, I've already transformed Amazon. And he's done a great job there. You can't deny that. I mean, the company is amazing. Yeah, there's not much left you can do with Amazon. Yeah. What, what else? You can't make it much bigger. Yeah. So I, I think he's kind of wanting to push his finger on different places and, and make a difference in those areas, which makes me wonder, well, how much time is he really going to spend on Amazon? And I I will say it with one caveat that I think he will still be <laughs> somewhat involved here. So how much does he still have in stock? Billions. Yeah, of that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that that's one reason I still think that he will, right. you know, make sure that the new CEO and, and he's known the new CEO for a long time. I I, I forget the, the gentleman's name. I think it's like Jassy or something is the new CEO's name. And I mean, they've worked together for years. So he he trusts him a lot, but I think he is going to kind of, since he has so much trust in him, let him run the show. He yeah. was the old AWS, the Amazon Web Services president. Um, so he he's definitely an important person at Amazon, but he's not Jeff Bezos. No, he he's not. And 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 maybe Jeff Bezos again. There's not a whole lot left. You can do. I mean, he's gone into the, the pharmacy unit. He's gone into, uh, I mean, virtually everything. What, what else can they do? But you know, I was just gonna say too. Now, and I was kind of surprised the Washington Post. You know why is he doing that? But maybe he has some major, political. yeah, political, well, political, but some major thing he's going to change the newspaper industry. I don't know. Um, you know, he may come up with something like, oh, that's not going to work, and all of a sudden, ten years, and I'm like, wow, that's a pretty smart move. What he yeah. So, but that's what I think he's going to focus on. He wants to create something, and he's had some terrible ideas. Everybody oh, yeah. has, you know. Um, so you're going to see some stuff, maybe good, maybe not so good, but uh, I do not believe he's going to have much say in, in what's going on with Amazon day to day and not new ideas. He, he's, he's not going to focus on that. And, and again, you mentioned, I think he has, I want to say $180 billion of stock. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know. I, he lost half to his ex-wife. Yeah. Uh, but still, so if he loses $30 billion, there ain't any difference between having $180 billion and $150 billion? Not really. He's not going to change his lifestyle. My prediction is I think he'll be around for the next like year pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. I think he's still going to, you know, be there and, and make. But I think over time, you'll start to see him kind of slowly remove himself from yeah. different areas. Because I, I do think that people aren't worried because, yeah, I'm going to be around. And, you know, I think he's going to see what he can pull back over time without really making a, a big fuss in the market. Because right. he's still a young guy. I mean, he's a young guy. I think he's, what, in his late 50s, early 60s, I believe is his age. Uh, well, I'm in that category well not the 50s or 60s yeah I, I, I'm, I'm a young guy so yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that one <laughs> so but um, um yeah and he could be and again it was his baby he started so maybe he will have some in there but uh just make uh, no mistake he is not part of the company really but to bring this all back to investing it yes. does give me some concern about the stock obviously it is very 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 expensive <laughs> and it's priced for perfection and i i do think this is a potential headwind down the road and, and Brendan just made a note here. He, he goes, Brent, Jeff Bezos is a lot younger than you. He's 57. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't put that part in. I put that in about being a lot younger. But, uh, yeah, so he's 57. So, he, yeah, still a young man. Yeah. So, 
Um, all right. Uh, well, uh, let's talk about GameStop. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because it's crazy. <laughs> and we covered it a lot last week. Last week, yeah. So, uh, But GameStop being down 60%, traded at 90 Um, Actually fell, I think I saw as low as 46. Is that the lowest you saw this past week? I believe so. I was just going to double check that. Yeah. But I, I know it closed at, let's see here. It closed yesterday at $63.77. The low was about $51 is what I'm seeing here. Yeah, maybe Thursday. Because I know I saw it fall below 50. 50. Yeah. yeah. And, and and again, what is happening is that the air is coming out of the bag. And then I think people are like, oh, oh, this is my chance to get in. And they go get in and it goes back up again. Uh, and then it pulls down because you, the difference that people don't understand is that when you're got a lot of people buying, that's going to push the stock up, but the door is only so big to get out. And if everybody's okay, well now it's time to sell. It's been pushing that stock down. So yeah. it, it is not a, uh, a great thing. And the other thing too, I just want to mention, we'll talk about as well is that they're blaming Robin hood, Robin hood. They don't understand that these brokerage firms has capital requirements. They be, there was one point that I found out that they said, had they kept going on, they would have had to go into bankruptcy because they didn't have the capital to back it up, you know? So uh, it's not, people don't understand what's going on. And that's why I think you said you had no last week. I have no sympathy, sympathy for people that lose money on this here because it, it, we've told them, everybody's telling them it's just too crazy. I mean, all the Robin Hood thing did was really speed up the end result. Right? Right. I mean, that that's truly what happened is people, yeah, it, it, it hurt because you couldn't buy it, which, you know, I guess maybe hurts some of the the market appreciation. Oh my gosh, you can't buy it! Oh, stock crashes, and but there's no value to it. That doesn't yeah. change the picture of that. Maybe instead of happening in a day, it would have happened over a week. I don't know. Yeah. It, it it did speed it up a little bit, but as you said, they did have the right to do that. And because what happens is they have a settlement period. When you buy a stock, people don't realize that there's a settlement period. Right. The brokerage again has those capital requirements. There's a lot of laws that people. Oh, this isn't fair. Look at the laws, and if you understand the laws, then you can tell me it's not right, fair. Right, and, and that's the thing. People don't understand the laws. And also, too, we mentioned this last week, Robinhood does have a thing when you sign it that you can actually they can actually shut down trading uh, as well for a certain time frame at their discretion. You're smiling. What you got? <laughs> I'm going to take a little political here, but it, it's just funny because these people complaining about it, they don't understand the regulations, but a lot of these people complaining about it love regulations. Yeah. So I, I think it's very interesting that the Democratic Party is talking right. about how it's not fair to the little guy, but yet what they want to do to fix the problem <laughs> is add more regulations. Right. The regulations is what is getting a lot of this problem started. I mean, it, it's just, it's crazy to me, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say about and, it. And I'll mention this. I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it anyways because it, it's the same thing. Uh, we did a post yesterday on Facebook about uh, the student loans. And again, people signed a thing saying they'll pay it back. Now they don't want to pay it back. So uh, same thing here. Like, well, I signed this thing. Well, that's not fair. I can't be held to that. So it, it's really something that kind of concerns me in our society today. That it, it's all about, always somebody else's fault. Always somebody else's fault. Not, even though I signed the paperwork, um, you know, I didn't it's not my read fault. it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> read it. <laughs> and and you know how I am with contracts. But oh, when yeah. these people come in, they hate it. Like, gosh, why does he highlight this? It's like I want to. And I've been burned before, and I didn't. I didn't complain. Like. Oh, almost said a bad word. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> <laughs> I should I should have been more careful about reading it. The same thing, and I know, and I think the Robin Hood uh, thing was like thirty six pages. But yeah. hey, you know what? You were so excited, you should have. St- 
Optum pay, you know, read, read it. So let's I, did, I did want to just say one kind of other thing is, you know, as people do rush to the doors to sell these like gambling stocks, there's, there's no buyers for them. That's the issue. And it proves really, I mean, the whole thing about the Robin, oh, this is a protest against <clears throat> the big money on Wall Street. But, uh, you know, just little guys really getting too greedy and, and not understanding the rules of trading. And I, I said this before, every guy has it, every guy, woman has it, their number. Uh, this is not a protest against Wall Street. No. It's it's really not. People were getting involved in it. And there were some that were protesting, but I think of the millions that got involved, I don't think there was, I'd say, 75% of them were doing it for the money, not, oh, uh, not for the pro- Probably 90%. I was going to say 95%. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a huge, huge number there. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, well, let's open the phone lines uh, just about, what, to 815 here. Phone number's here, 866 577 Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to Kansas and speak to Randy. Randy, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how you doing? Morning. Hey, how you guys doing? Gosh, we've not talked to you in been a while. What's going on? It's been, it's been a little while. Oh, I still listen to you every Saturday morning. Though I just just decided to call in today. I haven't had anything I really wanted to ask, and uh, I thought I'd call you on this. Uh, this REIT that I've been looking at a few weeks back, I remember you guys talking about uh, REITs and stuff that you were looking at was like REITs that specialize in like office space. And I came up with this Highwoods, I think that's what it is, Highwoods Properties, HIW. And from what I've read on it, they, they are pretty big in the office REIT area. They pay a pretty decent dividend. So I, I don't know. I thought I'd call you guys and see what you think about it. Well, I, I like the concept because we do like to buy things when they've been beaten up. And gosh, office real estate has been beaten up. You smiling over there, Chase? <laughs> well, I was going to say, Randy, I think uh, you're probably on the same page as us then because you said you haven't really had much to ask about it because it's hard to find things. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. I'll tell you what, I'm really wishing I'd have bought some stuff back in March when everything just tanked, you know, but I was, I was a little bit scared to buy. But I didn't sell either. I just wrote it through. So, Damn Randy, were you listening to the show back? in march come on <laughs> <laughs> well i was i was but man i was just like man is it really how far is this thing gonna go you know yeah and yeah. i didn't pull the, i had my eye on some stuff and i didn't pull the trigger when i should have but you know i've still made back everything that that went down back in march and then plus some so that's good it, it, but i only did that because you guys taught me not to be emotional about it <laughs> there we go well, we, we like that and i was thinking you know chase and i we won't do it now because you're on the line here but we should actually kind of describe what we did during that time frame because yeah. we didn't do everything all at once because we didn't know what the bottom was. But I think for weeks we said, okay, let's do a little bit more, let's do a little bit more, and it worked out pretty well. So, but uh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that another time because I do want to look at the Highwoods Properties Incorporated symbol HIW. Uh, not a bad start. The PE ratio thirteen point three versus not material for the industry. Uh, price of sales five and a half. Now that's double the industry at two point five. Price to book value looks good, 1.8 versus 1.9. And price of cash flow uh, is 7.2 versus 39. So that's a positive. Now, you do get a 4.8% dividend. I think it's a pretty uh, good dividend. They only use 61% of the earnings to pay that out. We do see sales are up 3.3% while the initial is down 12.02. And that's kind of surprising. I, I got to look at that again. Sales are up year over year in the last 12 months. I'm very curious how, how they did that. So if you're going to invest in this company, you want to know how, how they did that because that's a difficult time, and their sales are up. Okay. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and their earnings per share climbed by 152% when the initial was down 242 So that can't just be from operations. Something else is going on there. Uh, look at the balance okay. sheet. Uh, you, you got a, a nice debt-to-equity of 106 versus 288 for the industry. 
Return on equity is 14.6 versus a negative 4.3. Net profit margin, 44.7 versus a negative 7.2. And receivable turnover, 2.8 versus 6.1. And Chase has the important part with the uh, FFO is going forward because that's going to be very important what they are seeing here. Yeah, so let's start with the current price for Highwood Properties, $40.09, 52-week high, $52.76, and 52-week low, $25.10. So about in the middle there, and, and the office rates have recovered a little bit more than I would have liked, um, but they're still, as I said, decently off that 52-week high. Uh, as Brent said, we do look at FFO rather than earnings, and, and one big reason for that, you talk about earnings being up such a, a dramatic <clears throat> amount, a lot of times what happens with these REITs is they'll sell properties. Mm -hmm. And as they sell the properties, they get this huge earnings increase. But it's not really fundamentally changing their operations. It's just the accounting of it. So the FFO kind of backs out that, makes it a little bit more constant, and also backs out you know the non-cash expenses like depreciation, which a lot of real estate companies, of course, have since they own a lot of those buildings there. But with that said, let's take a look going out to December 2021. I do see estimated... FFO or funds from operations of three dollars. What about December twenty two? They haven't reported yet. Oh, I, I see it on my side. You don't see it? Oh, they haven't reported. Okay, yeah. so, so okay, but I, okay. I can do that. Is so yeah. what we because we, we normally shift well, out. I mean, I, I you don't normally go out like a, a year and a half, two years. So I mean, I, I like normally I, I'll look at both if they okay. haven't reported yet right. because now you got analysts waiting for the conference call to see if they're going to make adjustments to twenty twenty two. Yeah, and I'm just so excited about the next number. But, but you go ahead. <laughs> I was going to do both, but you're All stealing right. the thunder from All right. me here. I'll, All right, I'll be quiet. <laughs> All right, so here, looking at 2021 first, because this is still a really good number, which is why I'm excited about it. $3.61 for 2021 would give us a target sell price of $59.93. And to appease Brent here, let's go out to 2022. <laughs> Because, I mean, this is a, a very strong number. It climbs by another $0.17 cents for 2022 to $3.78. That would give us a target sell price of $62.75. I think there's some great well, value here. I, I am very curious to see what happens when they report uh, earnings. I'm not sure when they do, um, but that could change that 2022 number. If they report a good number, that could go from 378 maybe to 380 382 yeah. maybe climb even okay. higher so and, and randy the other thing you want to be really careful here too is to understand the business because there's one that we liked a lot but they had most of their office of properties in new york you want to make sure this is diversified across the country and not just in a couple main areas that could really hurt you so that's one thing you want to look at and i will let okay. you in on a little secret here randy i've narrowed it down to three office reads and highwood is actually one of the ah, office reads on my watch list really so we're yeah. telling our portfolio <laughs> uh, we haven't bought it yet we haven't purchased an office read but i do have three office reads now that we'll kind of continue research on and hopefully pick one of the three um so maybe it'll be yeah. highwood maybe it won't there's a 33 percent chance yeah. there <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty decent odds i guess Heck, if you bat 333 in the big leagues you're a hall of famer right oh that's yeah. right that's, that's true right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey thanks for your input guys i really appreciate it okay randy and, thanks uh, for calling have a good one uh, all right have, yeah you too bye-bye bye-bye all righty that does open the phone line 866-577-2473 that's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three, and there, there. This is a, this is one I think the show is the most helpful for people, because there's not a lot out there, and actually it's kind of helpful for us because we have this large group of people that can call in, and and I know there's buys out there, yeah. but out of uh, we'll say a thousand companies, 
there may only be 10 to 15 buys. Well, if we have a thousand people looking at them and each one <laughs> calls yeah. in one, we'll find one or two. We, we found a, a, a couple, and this is a very hard time to find things. And this, I think, also is when investors end up losing money because they think, and we've talked about the comparisons. Oh, well, uh, Netflix, their, their, their PE is 50. So therefore, if you got a company doing 40, that's pretty good. No, you got to look at the history. And the other thing, too, that people don't realize, you know, we'll, we'll bring this up. And we talk about it when people come in for a presentation to our office, um, that the S&P over the last 20 years, the average return is, what, 6.1%. Yeah, yeah. And that's through the end of 2019 because mm-hmm. uh, it does lag it by about a year. So it's, it's not been that phenomenal. And the reason yeah. for that is we were buying during the tech boom. Yeah. And, and you look over the last 20 years, that, that's when the that 20 year period is. And I will tell people here, where are we in terms of valuations? We're not necessarily at where we were at the tech boom, but we're, we're getting somewhat close. I think we're at, what, 26 times earnings right. or something <clears throat> on the S&P 500. That is very, very expensive. We use 16.6 as our multiple because that is the long-term average. We're at, what, 24, 26 on it. That's expensive. So I'm quite confident over the next 20 years, the index is not going to do as well again. And I wouldn't say the next 20 years. I'd say over the next five to 10 years. I well, mean, I'm saying— if you buy today, right. over the next 20 years, I think your returns would still be oh, about 5 6%, like right. we saw over the last 20 yeah. years. And you'd have a lot, and I bet you'd be worse than that for individual investors because I think I'm going to go through a period. I can't, I'm not going to say it's going to be 2021. It could be 2024. I don't know. Oh. But where things just don't move, that's happened before, and people get disenchanted and they cash in. Yeah. And missing the next two or three years when they have those big years again. And we've seen that. Uh, on monthly basis where people cash in, like a good example, last last year people cashed in in March, April, May, like, oh, this is terrible. Look at the run-up they missed. It happens over a 20-year period as well where you get disenchanted over, well, I've been waiting for a year and a half and hasn't moved. I, it's it's done. I'm getting out. And then sure enough, after they sell, go, oh, shoot, it went up 20%. <laughs> you know what else makes that return even worse? Because that's assuming you stayed invested the whole time. If you would have bought back when things were great, and the, the tech boom is, wow, this is such a phenomenal time. Things are just going crazy. It's a great time to be buying. Oh, it turned out the bust happens. And then let's say you hold, okay, fine, I'm holding the index. And then, oh, COVID happens. That's it. I, I can't take this anymore. Now your return goes from 6% down to maybe 1% a year. Yeah, you know? <laughs> That's the problem with the index. A lot of times people, they they thought, well, I'm going to do index investing because the fees are low. The fees are low, but you have no idea what you really own. It's right. part of the problem. Yeah, it's the S&P 500. Okay, well, what do you actually really own? You own a lot in Tesla, Apple, Microsoft. And then again, when things go down on the S&P 500, why are you holding it? I don't know. Things are going down. I I think this COVID, is it's it's different. I better sell. I better get out because it's going to drop 80%. <laughs> well, that sounds ludicrous, but okay. You yeah. know? Yeah. And, it, and that that's what go, goes through people's heads, and that's yeah. what happened last year. And I... Obviously, things went down. You know why things go down? Because people are selling. They're so selling. There, exactly. there were plenty yeah. of people out there selling when things were going down yeah. 30%. Yeah, and, and that's the time to buy. But it's hard. Your emotions get in the way. So I did want to touch one last thing on that office REIT, though. It, it, it's a kind of an interesting space, and we've talked a lot about investing in, in office real estate because it, it's kind of an area that's not getting much love. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there's this work-at-home trend. Oh, people aren't going into the office. We like to buy things when they are out of favor, and that space, I would say, is still still pretty out of favor. But I, I do want to wait 
to see more of these reports for 2020 because I think 2020 is going to be the worst year. I, I think as we move forward, 2021 will be improved in terms right. of people coming back to the office. 2022, I think, will be improved again. And I, I said before earlier this year that it might still be a little bit early to get into office REITs. That's why I want to get the full reports for 2020. But the other problem we have with office REITs is real estate generally doesn't do well in rising interest rate environments. So you're right. kind of battling this concept of, well, historically, REITs don't do well in rising interest rates. But these office REITs, they got such strong valuations. Could they overcome that that hurdle of rising interest rates? I still think they can. Right. And, and you know, and I talked to somebody else this past week. <clears throat> and and you can tell when people are at home, especially this guy, you can hear the dog in the background. He goes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, but I'm thinking, okay, you're talking to me now. When you hang up, do you go play with a dog? Yeah. You know, at the office, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I just know there's no doubt in my mind. Most people are not as productive as home as they would be in the office. Now, some people, they're probably more productive, but most people are not. I was saying, do you want to... You, I, you're just ready to say something, but I was going to say something. About, yeah. I was just going to say, uh, you know, last week we did a post on social media as well about productivity. Yes. And uh, I don't have the full numbers here, but people have been saying, oh, well, if you look at productivity, the working from home, it actually has been okay. And it's actually increased. But people don't understand when you actually use the productivity measure, there's different parts of the equation. Yep. So what you look at is the output. So what is the workers, what's the output? You know, how are they manufacturing? How, mm-hmm. how are all these kind of indexes doing in terms of the output of the work? And the input is the hours worked by people. So the issue is the output declined 4%. And these are fictitious numbers just to give you a concept because it, it did follow in these lines is the output declined 4%, but the input dropped 10%. So productivity increased because <laughs> inputs dropped more than the outputs. Yeah. And the issue here as we talked about this as well, generally, when you have questions, who do you let go of first? Well, your newer employees. Your newer employees or your less productive yeah. employees. Less so productive, that's going yeah. to increase productivity <laughs> even more. Right. And the issue is you hire those less productive employees when times are good because that helps generate more output. And yep. you can justify that. But when times get tough, you're going to keep around your, your A-plus stars you know, and right. keep them and maybe get rid of the people that uh, are doing a CB job. And that, that makes your input, your output look better. Output yep. look, yeah, yeah. So, again, what I call fun with numbers is what it actually is. So, all right, phone numbers, uh, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I look over, see all lines are open, so now would be a great time to call. But I thought we'd go to Facebook. I see Jason had a question on uh, coming. Do you have more, more on that or? Let's see here. So uh, today's question is to please analyze AB Alliance Bernstein Holding Partnership. Long, long uh, name there. When I look at their insider trading chart, it shows some major sales immediately before the market went way down in March. And miraculously, there are insider purchases in April before the market skyrocketed back up over the next few months. Looking deeper, I see Nancy Pelosi's husband is involved with this company. Interesting (laughs) how a company may know something before the rest of the world does. Not to get political, but this is if you can can't beat them, join them. Company to look into. Thanks. Have a good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. That's a, some good background there. <laughs> that is a, that, yeah. Jason does a good job. I mean, he he's been following us for a long time. Uh, but but one thing too, this is a limited partnership, and I and I and I kind of forget the the details of them, but I know there's a a problem with them, and it's a taxation. 
Uh, do you remember the details on it? Something about as, as they're paying the dividend, they pay a large dividend. We're going to go over the numbers in a minute. Yeah. 7.3% dividend, but I believe it reduces the cost basis. So when you sell it, you can have a much larger gain because they reduce the cost basis. Yeah, and I, I know we had, we work with our, our tax guy here, and he yeah. uh, pointed out that we actually got a new client that, that he referred us to, and he's like, gosh, you got like, 15 K-1s for the year. and it, So that cost her more money to file all the K-1s. Yep. And then I do believe that the dividend is taxed as ordinary income rather than um, capital gains rates or you know the 15%, 20% is actually taxed at ordinary income. So it, it is a higher taxation rate. Uh, so there are some questions about it um, that, that you have to understand if you're looking at these limited partnerships. And what I would say is, is that uh, if you see LP behind the name before you invest into it, give your accountant a call and discuss your tax situation. Now, I'll say if it's an IRA, it doesn't matter. But if it's outside of an IRA, have a conversation with the accountant first because they might say, oh, <laughs> that's going to cause you a lot of taxes, so be careful. So, But let's look, let, uh, let's look at that. Alliance Bernstein Holding uh, LP, symbol is AB. Uh, not a bad start. PE ratio is 14 versus 19.5. Uh, price of sales, very expensive, 12.6 versus 2.2. Price of book value looks good, 2.5, about the same as the industry. And, and no price of cash flow uh, versus uh, 12 for the industry. Now, as I said, they pay a large dividend of 7.3%. They use 99.5% of the dividends paid out. I also believe on an, an LP, they also have to pay out, I think it's 90% of what they bring in. Maybe that's a read is what I'm thinking of. But I think on an LP, there's some rules there as well. And I believe so. Yeah. So uh, looking at their sales, they were up 20.3% uh, versus 11.8. So that's a big positive. We do see earnings per share climb by also 20.2 when the industry is down 2.6. So that's good. Look at the balance sheet. No current ratio versus 1.7 for the industry and debt to equity is zero versus 191. So a very clean balance sheet. I'm not sure what the current ratio is, but again, it's a financial company. So they, they do their accounting a little bit differently here. Return on equity looks very good, 18.1 versus 10.3. Net profit margin, wow, uh, 90.3 versus 11.4. Wouldn't it be nice to have every dollar you bring in a business, you keep 90 cents of it? Something strange there. They may have sold something else. Uh, I, I also, too, we never talk about EBITDA, but their EBITDA is 100%. So there's something strange going on here with the accounting here. No receivable, no inventory turnover. Uh, what do you got for the earnings there, Chase? Well, first, I want to start where what this company does exactly, and uh, they're actually an investment manager. Mm -hmm. So that's what they do. Uh, they, The firm invests in public equity, fixed income, and alternative investment markets across the globe. It employs long-slash-short strategies to make its investments. Uh, they also conduct in-house research to make their own investments. So uh, investment company, I, I didn't know that. But looking at the current prices here, Current price is $38.47, right near the 52-week high of $38.78. And wow, 52-week low, $13.24. I go out to December 2021, I still see estimated earnings per share of $3.27. That would give us a target sell price of $54.28. So it still looks very strong from a valuation measure. Um I don't know. I, I don't like to buy investment management companies because <laughs> that's what we do. We do. <laughs> and, and also, too, they get hurt quite a bit when, when the markets pull back. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I used to, many, many years ago, I think back in the 90s, I used to use their funds somewhat uh, when I did some funds, uh, the Alliance funds. And they actually did pretty well. 
But what concerns me is that, you know, you have this pullback in the market and people turn sour on it. And, uh, and again, we do talk about the other thing too, net redemptions for mutual funds are going to have this problem and so forth, which is very difficult for funds to compete with, uh, I'll say with us, because we don't have net redemptions. Um, but it's just one that I, I, I wouldn't like to do either because, it, and it'd be, I think, very foolish. Now, if I said, yo, this is really great, let's go ahead and buy it. Well, then I'd say, well, why don't I sell my company and just put in this yeah. one? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, uh, I, I, and like you, I've never liked them management companies because it's just, uh, and a lot of them too, they do trade. I, I would, I can't be sure on this, but they may have alternative investments in there as well. So they invest right. in alternative investments. I don't know if they sell them or right. they buy. I, I don't know the structure of it, but there's something with alternative investments. Right. Yeah, and, and, and that's what kind of worries me is that I, and I don't, we don't like alternative investments because we've seen people get burned on them over and over and over again. So any company has anything to do with them, I don't want anything to do with that company at all. Yep. So, all righty, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Uh, let's talk a little bit about financial planning because I know Harrison, our CFP from uh, Wilson Asset Management, uh, has a great topic today. Uh, good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. How are you? Good, good. Uh, we're talking about Social Security this morning, correct? That's right. We're going to talk about Social Security. It's exciting stuff. <laughs> well, very important, important stuff. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what, what do you got? With, uh, so what's uh, the uh, story here you're going to tell us? So I, I just want to kind of give an overview of the way I look at Social Security. So just to give you guys some numbers, um, every year at Social Security, uh, cost of living adjustment happened. So this year we got another 1.3% um, growth over the benefits from last year. Um, with Social Security, you can collect any time between age 62 and 70. So you know a lot of people think they have to wait till their full retirement age. Not true. Any time between 62 and 70 can collect. Um, the average beneficiary of Social Security gets about $1,400 a month, but that number is a little bit reduced because that includes spousal benefits, which are half of what regular benefits are. So on average, it's, it's a little bit more than that from what I see from people actually working. Um, Social Security is taxed differently than any other type of income source. Uh, most states treat it uh, tax-free, so you don't pay state taxes to it, including California. Um, and 85% of what you receive is taxable federally, so it's not taxed at 85%. What that means is um, if you receive $100, that means you would have to report $85 of that um, as taxable income, and then that gets taxed to your federal uh, marginal rate. Um, so some of it is always going to be tax-free, but depending on what is called your provisional income, it could be even less than that. Um, and so, you know, on the radio or, you know, you might hear articles and it seems like when everyone's interested about Social Security, they're getting ready to retire. They always want to know, you know, how do I maximize my Social Security benefit or how do I get the most out of Social Security? And that's important, but it's I don't think it's the most important thing. Now, I'm a national Social Security advisor. You know, I've taken classes on it and um Throughout my career of working with people in retirement planning and in Social Security, I, I've kind of I've, I've looked at it a little bit differently than, than most other people, I would say, because in many cases, I'm not trying to maximize Social Security for clients. I'm trying to maximize 
their whole situation and their whole retirement after tax income because that's much more important than just getting the most dollar out of Social Security. Um, you know, when we look at the whole picture, when we're, when we're being holistic, we have to look at retirement age. We have to look at, well, what other income sources do you have? Um, what does your tax situation look like? Um, because in many cases, I would actually say in, in more cases, more often than not, um, with clients, we've decided to take a lesser lifetime Social Security amount. But by doing that, we've gotten them more lifetime total income and we're leaving them with more assets which then gives them more flexibility and 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 more legacy planning and things like that so it's much more important to look at the whole picture as opposed to just looking at social security and how do we maximize that exclusive benefit without looking at the other details of your life and to do that you really have to know how the other details impact social security and harrison that's such an important part because everybody like i'm going to maximize social security but, but you, you bring out a very important part. You can't just do that because you could be actually shooting yourself in the foot by doing other things that, that's going to mess you up. So very important for somebody to sit down with someone like yourself, a good financial planner, to look at the whole picture and not just, well, I'm going to maximize Social Security. And I, I guess I want to kind of make it clear for the listeners. I mean, something you're talking about here is like depending on how much you have in, let's say, a Roth account versus a traditional account. If you have more money in Roth, it might make sense to maybe, you know, plan Social Security differently than if all your money is in a traditional account just because of the tax situation. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a good point. If people have rental properties, that's another income source that you have to account for. Um, you know, when people are actually retiring, if their spouse is still working, um, when RMDs are going to start because maybe you want to do some conversion. So it's much more complicated than just, well, I'm going to maximize Social Security. Okay, I can show you how to do that. That's actually relatively simple. The more complicated area and the more valuable area is saying, well, this is actually the right time to collect it because it's, it's going to maximize everything else. And it's going to it's going to allow you to retire earlier with more income and pay less taxes and all those kinds of things. I, I think it's uh, awesome just because a lot of times you hear people, oh, I'm going to go get a free Social Security and they're going to tell me how to do it. But it, it's so true that you point out it's so important to not just look at Social Security it fits into your whole financial picture. That's great points there. Very, great. Very good points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and Harrison, at Wilson Asset Management, we do have you do free consultations with people so they can understand more about how this whole thing fits in. Uh, so that, that first consultation with you is always free. So great information as always. We appreciate it. And uh, enjoy your Saturday. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your Saturday. I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Sounds good. Bye-bye. All right. Again, that's our CFP, Harrison Johnson. Uh, he is at the office. Uh, not as much as I am, I guess. Uh, but you want to give him a call. Again, the consultation is free to find out what is he talking about. And my feeling is, I was going to ask him this question, I forgot to, but if you're getting close to Social Security or you're, you're starting to do your retirement planning, you've got to speak to someone like Harrison to understand how this whole thing fits in. So if you want to talk to him, give him a call at the office. First consultation is free, 858-546-4306. Again, that's 858-546-4306. You can also find him on our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And by the way, he is the only financial planner I know in San Diego that's on a salary, does not sell any product at all. He does not get any percentage of the fees. He gets a salary for doing a great job for clients. Uh, and again, you don't have to be a client of Wilson Asset Management on the investment side to do this financial planning. And I will say, uh, I talk to people a lot of times, they'll come talk to us and say, well, 
you know, I, I filed for Social Security. Did I do the right thing? <laughs> and it might be, no, but there's nothing you can do about it. Now. Right, right. So it, it's important to talk to an expert before you actually file. And, you know, Harrison will give you all the details. And if you think you're smarter than the financial planner, <laughs> then, <laughs> then you, you still have any right to do what you want. But yeah. it, it's always important, I would say, to, to talk to somebody, make sure you understand your situation. As I said, a lot of times people don't understand the taxes. They don't understand the whole picture. And if you don't understand the whole picture, the Social Security, as he said, might be maximizing that, but might be really hurting you in other areas that that cancels out the maximization of the Social Security. Yeah, and it's so important to look at it ahead of time because, like, a lot of times, and people do this with accountants as well, uh, I did this. Is it good? Like, no, you can't deduct that. Uh, now, with us, it's a little bit different. We get calls all the time. Yeah, I last week I bought XYZ company. Is it a good buy? Uh, well, no, it wasn't. You can sell that. But with the Social Security, you you can't change it. I guess once you do it, you're done. It's a lifetime Lifetime commitment. And yeah. hopefully it's a long lifetime of 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> and every every week you wake up like, oh, God, I should have listened to that guy, Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. And Chase, I do want to promote. He's actually a client of ours. He did a great job on my solar system at uh, my house before I sold it. Uh, and he's like going. He's like going to Costco. He's you going direct to him. His company is Clayco Electric Incorporated. There's no company that's going to come out and sell you solar because he's the one that actually installs the solar. A lot of these companies they sell the solar and then they hire electricians to do it. He actually does it himself. His company does. So you save a lot of money doing that, and you still get the nice tax credits and everything else. Uh, he's doing a great job. He's a great guy. He's got a great crew. I mean, his crew and everybody else. If you want to have Clayco Electric install your solar, I'm telling you, it's going to save you thousands of dollars. Check it out. Clayco Electric, 619-971-2799. Again, that's 619-971-2799. That is Clay's uh, direct number I'm giving you there. So you call and you get to talk to him directly. That's the other thing, too. You love these solar companies. You get these guys like, well, who are you? I'm the, I'm the sales guy. It's like, well, I want to talk to the big guy. You, know? yeah. you get to talk to the big guy with Clay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's cool. And I, I will say, I mean, solar is a, a nice thing. I know you had it. Uh, you installed it. And then right now the house I'm renting, it has solar. And then luckily I'm moving here in, in March, and that house has solar. I'm so excited <laughs> because <laughs> it's so nice. I haven't had an electric bill since uh, March because yeah. of the way the credits work. That's one thing that frustrates me with like SDG and E. They wipe out your credit at the end of the year. So if like you you true up, if you have like a hundred dollar credit, it's like oh, great job. But uh, yeah, we're gonna true that up. So now you start over. So you don't carry it for? They don't send you a check? No, I don't send you a check. I don't. I don't believe so. I don't get a check. So oh, it, you know what? Maybe it goes to a, the the landlord. Maybe yeah. Uh, it could be. Could be. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. Because so. when I was uh, talking to my new landlord, he's like, yeah, just at the end of the year they do a true up. So it, it basically cancels it out. And I don't know enough about the solar realm, but I, I have, yeah, he, he made it sound like, yeah, great job, redo it. So right. now we're now we're starting over. Because I thought you could sell it back to the utility. So maybe there's something special. Maybe there's something in the contract where the utility says, oh, great job, but we're yeah. keeping that. You know who would know? Clay would know. Yeah. <laughs> 619-971-2799. Gosh, this has been a slow day on, on the phones, on Facebook. I mean, it's just, I, I think, uh, oh. People are sleeping in. No, they're getting ready for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Yeah, maybe they're they're busy cooking and they can't call in. So 
Uh, maybe that's the issue. I know you come to our house. Uh, we're not doing any cooking. We're buying all the food. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. I mean, we got we got some free time here. Um, when we were speaking with uh, Randy, we talked about kind of how we treated last oh, yeah. year and how we went through things. I, I think that'd be valuable for our listeners of what 2020 looked like for us in terms of our, our thought processes and uh, our investment strategy. Yeah. And, and and I don't remember the exact weeks that we did. I remember you and I talking like, okay, let's do a little bit more now. Uh, and then the next week, okay, let's do a little bit more. We, we had a, a disciplined strategy to get in what we could at certain times. Now, sometimes there's just like things were so great, we just had to buy it. But I, I, I want to say every Friday or every Monday, I forget what it was, we'd go over saying, okay, and, and, and in our portfolio, I, I I forget the dollar. I think we had $28, $30 million in cash. We didn't just dump it all in. We did it methodically, and it turned out very well uh, for us. And not just even, you know, eight months down the road, but we're looking at two, three, four, five years down the road. Oh, absolutely. And, and the other thing that happened is at the end of 2019, I'm sure many people remember, 2019 was a very strong year. Mm-hmm. We couldn't find many things to buy. Right. So we had new money coming over. We weren't investing that money because – our target buy prices on our businesses were below the current prices, so we're being patient and waiting. And I, I know we had one guy actually leave our firm because he said, gosh, you guys aren't doing anything. And <laughs> we were sitting in a little bit of cash because, as I said, the target buy prices were below the current prices. Well, we didn't know COVID was going to happen, right. but as things pulled back, we started to buy. And I'll be the first to tell you, we didn't buy at the absolute bottom. We didn't. No. Wow. Okay, great. We're going to now invest everything. Wow, we would have done phenomenal, right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but what happened was, you know, it went down – Five percent. Okay, now this company came due. Let, let's buy a little bit here at our target buy price. Oh, it went down ten percent. Wow. Okay, this is another great buying opportunity. And the other very interesting that hap- interesting thing that happened to us, we had a drug maker in the the portfolio. Oh yeah. It was positive <clears throat> on the year when everything was going negative, and guess what happened? It hit our target sell price. And people, <laughs> why are you selling this? It's done so well. <laughs> Well, we got out of that, and we bought this company that nobody wanted. It had a high, I think, of around 32 It fell down to about $12 a share. It was a retail company. Oh, my gosh, yes. how terrible. And people are like, are you sure you just sold this <laughs> You guys are crazy. <laughs> and they had something to do with COVID, too. So they're like, but they have you know potential to benefit from COVID. And it's like, it's all baked into the stock price. Sold that, bought that company. Um, that company has done very, very, very well yep. since we've purchased it. And I, 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 we didn't do 20, 30% or anything last year. I don't want people to get the right. wrong impression there, but I do believe the decisions we made in 2020 set us up very well for this year in 2022 as well. And it's also too, uh, the way we do things so methodical is to really do it in a disciplined thing, not get so emotional. Uh, and, and now every once in a while I get somebody, Oh, sell everything, go to cash. Things are too expensive. And I go, we are going to have a correction this year. But to sell everything makes no sense. And there's actually been, uh, there's people that have been saying, sell everything six months ago. Yeah. And they really, had we done that, had they done that, they'd miss a, a, probably a 25% run-up. So you got to be very careful about your emotions because, yes, things are crazy out there. But to sell a lot, and we actually made a sale, was it this past week or the week before? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we slowly got out of uh, another company, so we raised our cash a little bit. Um I don't think we have much close to being sold now. I can't. There's one you and I debate debate about. (laughs) (laughs) um, But again, I mean, that's what we're doing. Things are high and we're trying to look for, okay, well, let's sell high. Wait for the correction. Maybe the correction doesn't come until September. Maybe it comes Monday, you know, 
but you want to have that cash so that you can step in and buy some things. And it doesn't mean like, oh, wow, you're going to do fantastic in the next six months. But it's the way you build wealth over the longer term by doing the proper things. Yeah, and I, I don't want to say we're waiting for the correction. It, it, it just so happened we had a company hit our target sell price, so we, we yeah. sold it. And, you know, when we say we have cash, it's not like we have 50% in cash. Right. A lot of times people, they, they go too far one way or the other. I mean, really having 10% in cash, 15% in cash, that still gives you the availability to make a really great buy. Right. And the other thing it does, too— is say we're wrong. There is no correction for the next 18 months. Uh, this is, of course, right. very, very unlikely, but you have 10% in cash. Let's say your portfolio did 10%. Well, because you had 10% in cash, not only did 9%, it's not going to cost you as much as you would right. think, and it really sets you up to, to find the best buys. And we always tell people, as our cash position decreases, we get more and more stingy with that cash. We have to make sure it's a great buy before we jump into it. You know, I'm just sitting here listening like, I can't wait to get back to doing our workshops in the public where people can come and we can have these conversations in public with people. I mean, I guess we're on public now on the radio, but just so great to have it with people in public. So, all right, uh, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Wayne. Wayne, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. like your opinion of Progress Software, PRGS. I'm looking at it if, if it's something that to invest in. Okay. Well, let's take a look at Progress Software Corporation. Symbol is PRGS. A good start here with a P-E ratio of 24. That's well below the industry at 62. Price of sales, 4.2 versus 12.7. Unfortunately, no price of tangible book value. The industry is at 105. Price of cash flow, 16.4. That's also about half the industry at 39.4. We do see a dividend of 1.7%. They only use 38% of their earnings to pay that out. Sales are up 6.9% year over year, about half the industry up 12.3. However, earnings per share climbed by 202% when they issued 9.3. But again, you got to check to see how can they grow their earnings at 200% when sales only grew at 7%. Look at the balance sheet. I'd like to know that, too. <laughs> That's where you got to check the financials. <laughs> uh, the current ratio is a 0.9. That's not quite as good as the industry at 2.1. Okay. Debt to equity kind of pushing up on the, the risky side here. It's 111 uh, versus the 79. So you do want to see if that debt's being paid down. Or is it increasing? Because that could become a problem down the road, especially with that low current ratio. We do see return on equity is 23.6 versus 27.3. Net profit margin, 18 versus 20.5, and receivable return is 4.5 versus 6.3. So some good things on this company, some things I'm worried about. Chase, what are the earnings going forward? Yeah, I was just kind of pulling up to see what I could find what the, the company does here. Uh, let's see, the company operates through three segments, open edge, data connectivity, and integration, and application development, and deployment. So as you kind of pointed out there, Wayne, it is, a, of course, a software company, as you can tell by the name <coughs> Progress Software Corporation, but want to take a little bit closer look. Would want to, of course, dive down deeper into those three segments, kind of see which segment uh, occupies more revenue, you know, which ones have higher margins, what do those mm -hmm. segments do? So very important to understand the, the business inside and out. But talking about the numbers here, current price, $42.36, 52-week high, $49.23, and that 52-week low is $28.09. Now, this company reports on a fiscal year, so I'm looking out to November 2022. 
I'm going to point out the two different earnings estimates here. I'm going to start with the non-GAAP. It's $3.40. So, I mean, that looks quite strong because you get a target sell price of $56.44. Now, there's just two analysts on that, however. Um, so that's a concern. But I also look at the GAAP. The GAAP, the number drops down to $1.84. That would give us a target sell price of $30.54. And I will tell you, sometimes we, we do make exceptions mm-hmm. for the non-GAAP numbers. If it's things like uh, you know oil, perhaps. Oil could move, and they don't have anything to do with it, but their inventory, they have to write that down. Well, okay, that, that makes sense. But it seems to be a reoccurring theme with this company. If it's, let's say, stock-based compensation or maybe currency fluctuation, that is really having an impact on their earnings, so I wouldn't make an exception there. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to say no on this company just yet, but I'm going to say unlikely. This is what I would say. Yeah, you really got to understand when they use the uh, pre-exempt uh, what they are taking out. That, that's very important to understand. And also, too, as we said, that with the earnings, you know, how they have their earnings grow by so much. So, as Chase said, we're not going to say no on this company because there are some positive things. But you really got to dig deep to find out why they're positive because they could be false positives yeah. where you invest in it like, oh, well, I didn't know that was going to happen. That's the worst thing when it comes to investing. You want to know what's going to happen the best <laughs> way you can. So, so some research to do here, uh, Wayne. Uh, worth the research, but uh, check it closely. All righty. Can I, can I ask you another question? Not as, do you think there's going to be inflation uh, this year because of the 1.7, 1.9 trillion dollars stimulus package that I assume is going to be passed? You, you know, I, I I do believe there is going to be. And I, I'll tell you why I'm seeing more and more. Um, I go to Jack in the Box a lot of times for lunch, and I get two chicken fajita sandwiches. Well, it used to be, and I knew it because I, I, I used to because I knew how much, you know, it was, like $10.15. When I went the other day, it was like 11 and 15 They raised it by a dollar. And, and, and I go to the restaurant. I'm saying, like, I can't get out of the restaurant. We don't drink a whole lot. But you go to the restaurant, right. I'm usually paying like $100 now every single time. So I think there's you think inflation. that's because of the minimum wage went up a buck January 1st in uh, yes. San Diego? Yes. Why your fajitas went up? <laughs> right. That's a 10% increase. That's, that's a big increase. <laughs> yeah, so. so there are things that are pushing prices up, and that's what inflation is. So I can't tell you what inflation is going to be, but we do you know, think that inflation is coming. Uh, and that's well, going to push every week in the grocery store and you go grocery store. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, gas prices. That's going to be another one. That's, right. gonna, oh, well, that's another gonna... story. We don't even want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> we need to move to Texas or Nevada or Arizona. I, I agree. <laughs> Let's pack up and go. <laughs> Can I ask you, do you think General Motors is going to put, I called you last week about it, the stock. Do you think they're going to start paying a dividend this year? We do. I mean, I they do report this week, this I believe. Week. Yeah, um, yeah, the 10th. So I, you th- Chase, you think it's going to be the second quarter. I think it's going to be second quarter. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. maybe I'm just yeah. optimistic. I'm hoping for the yeah. first quarter because they've done so That's well. That's what I said this yeah. year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, let, let's, we'll find out next week if I'm right. I'm thinking right. the first quarter because they've, they got $36 billion in cash as the last, they could have $40 billion of cash now. Like, why not pay a dividend? Yeah. You know? so yeah. They can buy Ford. Ford's got just as much cash, maybe a little more too. Yeah, yeah. So, but Wayne, we got to go. They they keep telling my ear, we got to go, we got to go. So, Wayne, thank you for calling. Have a good one. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you again. Bye bye. All right. I I do. So, we have uh, David uh, in San Diego, Jeff in Massachusetts, uh, Susan's on Facebook. So, we'll get to uh, all these phone numbers 866 577 2473. That's 866. 
uh, stay tuned for the second half of the Smart Investing Show. We'll be right back after this quick break. Alrighty, welcome back to the second half of the Smart Investing Show. And I think, yeah, we got a couple of lines still open. 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. And again, if you're watching on Facebook Live, you can also submit your questions there as well. I know we have Susan from Facebook. She's got a question on stock. We're doing that. But if you want to, yeah, you can watch the show every week on Facebook Live as well. And uh, it's podcast. Uh, so if you miss it, you can watch it afterwards. And we're on what? Uh, many different formats yeah so I, I can't think of any off the top of my head i don't know if you can but many different formats you can listen to it actually go to our website smartinvesting2000.com again that's smartinvesting2000.com if you miss a show you can listen to it there as well all right so let's go back to the phones here let's let's go out to let's go way out to massachusetts and speak with jeff across jeff. the country yeah across the country jeff you're on the smart investor with brent chase how can we help you all right good morning i'm still here all I right hang up <laughs> hey, by the way, well, what's, what's a jack-in-a-box? What is a jack? You don't have jack-in-a-box back in Massachusetts? No. What's a, I, what's like a, like a Burger King or McDonald's or something yeah, yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, it's a fast food restaurant. I, you know that they were West Coast for a long time. when I And I actually worked. It was called Food Maker. I owned jack-in-a-box back in the early 80s. I worked for them as an accountant. And they did do an expansion from West Coast to East Coast. But I don't think they really caught on. But they've got a great menu. I, they were my, one of my favorite fast food uh, restaurants when I actually go, and I love those chicken fajita pitas. They're so good and healthy. I think they're like 390 calories. And you guys don't have In-N-Out yeah. out there either, do you? So go with that. I, I can hear you. You don't have In-N-Out out there either, do you? Actually, no. I don't think we have In-N-Out. We're very. Um, no one wants to come up here for some reason. Must be the <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, know, I, we don't even have, um, I, I go visit my mom in Florida a lot. They got something called the steak and shake. Steak and shake. Steak and I mean, shake or shake shack. Oh, shake shack. Shake shack. No, no, no. It's steak and shake. It's oh. called, it's weird. Cause it makes you feel like there's something wrong with the steak after you eat it. It's just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand that. But, but anyway, um, I'm calling about the IEC electronics. All right. One of those guys from Kiplinger's had like the top two tops. 20 stocks or something for 2021, mm-hmm. and this was on the list. Okay. I was wondering how good it was. And do you hold or looking at buying it there, uh, David? I, I, I bought some. You bought, I some. bought some. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a look at uh, IEC Electronics Corporation. Symbol is IEC. Not a bad start because the PE ratio is 22.6 versus 36.7. Price of sales looks good. 
6.8 versus 6.56. Price to book value looking good as well, 3.9 versus 24.7. And even price of cash flow is 14.5 for the company, and the industry is at 20.7. So all the valuation ratios for uh, IEC Electronics Corporation look very good. They do not pay a dividend. Their sales year over year are up 11.5%, which is also better than the industry at 7.2. Earnings per share year over year climbed by 43.1% when the industry was down 11.8. Gosh, I was getting so excited about this company. Then I look at the balance sheet. Now I'm kind of oh. losing some excitement here, but current ratio is no. good. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Current ratio is 1.9 versus 2.2. That's okay. What I don't like seeing is debt to equity is 148 versus 66. Now, one thing that could be happening here is, you know, perhaps they've been buying back stock, which reduce their, their cash and their equity. Maybe there's a reason for it. But when I get above 120, I get kind of nervous because of the fact that it could be a could be a problem. So but but that's the only negative I've seen so far. Return equity is very good. 19.3 versus 15.5. Uh, net profit margin, not very good either. 3.8 versus 15.5. Receivable turnover is 4.7, below the industry at 7.5, and you would want that higher. Same thing with inventory turnover, 3.3 versus 4.6. So we got off to a good start, kind of faltered. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Well, first, I did take a look and see what this company does. Uh, it says it provides electronic manufacturing services, uh, manufactures a range of assemblies that are incorporated into various products, such as aerospace and defense, medical devices, industrial equipment, and transportation products, so it serves the medical, industrial, aerospace, and defense sectors. That's pretty diverse. So I, I like it as diverse, yeah. and also mm-hmm. with uh, the exception of industrial, all of those are pretty stable in terms of you know recession proof. Industrials, you're, you're going to have some problems there, but defense, aerospace, those are going to be pretty safe during uh, tough times, or I guess mm-hmm. I'd say defense, and and medical is also generally you need medical always. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I like those factors. Uh, current price here for IEC Electronics Corp though fourteen dollars eighty cents. It has appreciated well off the low of five dollars, and the fifty two week high here is seventeen dollars and ninety eight cents. Now another problem here, Jeff. This is a very 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 small company. Market cap is one hundred and fifty six million dollars. So it's a tiny business. I mean. We could buy the entire company in our investment firm. It's it's that small. I, I look out to September 2022, I think, because there's, uh, it being such a small company, there's no estimates even for that year. There is one analyst following it for 2021, so I did just kind of get an idea of what we're looking at here. It's $0.79 cents is the estimate for earnings. Would give us a target sell price of $13.11. Now, it is quite risky, but you, you could kind of ex- extrapolate out a estimation on the 2022 earnings, kind of using a previous growth rate um, and projecting that out into the future to get some idea. But as I said, that's a very, very risky play on your part. Um, it, it's just something that it's hard to find enough information to, to make an educated decision, I guess, is the, uh, the bottom line here for IEC Electronics. Yeah. So it's a very small, small business, then, right? Yep, yes. yep, and it, it got off to a good start, but, but, but it faltered. <laughs> but did but you say Jeff Bezos started out his garage? Yes. You got to start somewhere, guys. Well, you do, but think about all the millions of people that start out in the garage, and they're still in the garage. <laughs> or they got kicked out of the garage because <laughs> they went bankrupt. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their parents kicked them out of their homes. Yeah, I understand how that goes. Okay. 
Uh, one other question, guys. Sure. Who's going to win? Who's going to win the big game on Sunday? Well, you forgot about that. We forgot to talk about the Super Bowl. Let's go, Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're all in. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Buccaneers. I'm going to take Tom Brady. What? Uh, I'm going with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Can't, can't. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs are good. I like the Chiefs, but I'm really, I'm kind of sick of them already. They, they all. All the stuff last year. They had their time. Yeah. Let, let, right. let the Buccaneers do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess in my house tomorrow, we're going to have a, maybe some betting going on because I'm going for the Chiefs. And, and uh, I'm, I'm surprised. I, I, yeah, I think Tom Brady needs to win the Super Bowl, what, 11 times? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, see, I, I, I can't stand the Patriots. The Patriots, even though I'm from New England, they have the most obnoxious fans in the NFL. They're like, they're, they're, they're like, the, they're like the Yankee fans of, the, um, of, of baseball, you know? But the thing is, um, I don't want Brady to win just so that Belichick doesn't think it was all him that made them win all those Super Bowls. Give him uh, some food for thought. That's why I want him to win. I like so it. So basically, uh, it's revenge. It's yeah, yeah, it's revenge. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's, that's why I want him to win for spite. That's it. That's there you go. I, I, okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. I, but I, I, I gotta go. I'm gonna bet. I gotta go with the Chiefs. So <laughs> thank you very much. Okay. Sir. All right. Jeff, you have a good one. Don't be a stranger. Okay, guys, take care. Okay. Bye bye. Right, thank you. Yep. Bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And before we go back to David Chase, I thought you told me that you were going for the Chiefs the other day. Did you change your mind? No, I've, I've <clears> been <throat> on – I'm really? pretty indifferent this, this year. I mean, because really? you have the Chiefs won last year. I, I do kind of like Brady just because it's cool to say that we're witnessing probably the greatest ever. Yeah, I mean, he, it, uh, of maybe even arguably across any sport. I mean, right. he's just phenomenal in terms of what he's been able to do, especially going down to Tampa. So I, I kind of like that aspect, but I, it's it's a game that I'm pretty indifferent about, I'd say. And, and I do like his work ethic. And, and in high school, he was not a star. I mean, he did all this by working very hard. And, and, and really, he's 42. And he's 42, <laughs> yeah. He, he's a, he's an old guy, we'll call for football. He is. So, yeah. So I, on that part, for him, I would like to see it. But I just, you know. And I'm not a big football guy. It's not like I don't all the stats and so forth. I just, from what I'm hearing and my my assumption is that the Chiefs are going to win. So, but they're and, favored. I think they're the they have more star power and a better team. But yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. They have, they have Brady. All right. Well, hey, let's go back out to San Diego because uh, David called back. Uh, David, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent uh, and Chase, how can we help you? Hi. Uh, just a comment on the solar. Yeah. Uh, if you want that. Yeah. Uh, the what the true up does is it says, okay, how much did you produce? Your system produced. How much did you use? If you produce more than you use in that 12-month period, uh, they buy that excess power you produce. But the problem is they only pay you two and a half cents per kilowatt hour. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, uh, they instead got the PUC to pass this grid fee for um, solar customers uh, a few years ago, $10 a month. So they will use that excess production, pay you two and a half cents a, a kilowatt hour, and that offsets that uh, uh, grid fee. So and two and a half now cents, you can. And, and David, let me know over here. Two and a half cents sounds like a very, very low fee. Is that what we're even? Paying? Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. But <clears throat> the uh, and I call them on it because my brother back east, uh, he gets about. 18 to 20 cents a kilowatt hour for his 
excess you, production. Are you saying Californians and, uh, again are getting ripped off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, they uh, the way they explained it to me is, well, that's the wholesale rate, and we never pay more than uh, the wholesale rate. Well, if they want people to put more solar on, uh, that's a disincentive, not an incentive. Right. Uh, so I don't know. It's uh, yeah, it is California. So, <laughs> Once again, California uh, takes it in the shorts. <laughs> uh, uh, just one quick uh, comment on uh, Qualcomm. I know that's a big company in San Diego, but uh, it, it just got uh, pummeled uh, uh, last week. Uh, and uh, th- what I had heard uh, and read was that they they didn't have the uh, chips. Uh, produce the chips to um, uh, meet the demand, and that was why they got uh, pummeled. But uh, uh, did you hear anything different about that? I, I did not. I, I did see the stock was down. I think down eight percent or something. Yeah. One forty six. I think I saw it go go by. We we don't hold Qualcomm. We don't really watch. Right. Uh, did not really look into it uh, either. But I mean that would make sense because I know there is a shortage of chips uh, in the yeah. in the world right now. So have you heard anything, Chase? No, I was going to say, yeah. I know uh, from other chip makers, they've kind of had similar problems where the demand is just immense, but they, they can't fulfill the demand. And uh, I think a lot of it's still the, the manufacturing kind of problems that, that we are behind from, from shutting things down last year. So, I mean, that, that's my assumption. Right. So uh, yeah. I, I'm not surprised by it. And, and it's not a bad prime. I'm kind of surprised it fell because as a business, uh, you know, I would love my – demand exceeded my supply because that means you can produce as much as you want uh, now and raise prices and raise prices. Uh, I guess the concern is, will that business go somewhere else, but the whole industry is having problems. So I'm surprised. Right. I, don't, I don't know what they, they closed at, but I'm surprised that they dropped when I saw them down like 8% was the second I was wondering well, what yeah. happened to them. But that that's not a bad problem to have your demand exceed your supply because Chase is right. You can raise prices. You can. Well, you know. I, I think maybe one of the issues is, is the company is, a little more expensive now in terms of its uh, valuations is oh, yeah. if they right. can't handle more volume, they're priced for handling more volume go. to grow. That that could be problematic. Just just a uh, kind of thought there, David. Not not the answer, but just just kind of a maybe a yeah. uh, a question to ask about. Yeah, try to think through it. Yeah. So and I, I don't even know what Qualcomm trades at. So, but um, okay. All right, David. Well, th- thanks a lot, and enjoy listening to you. Well, thank you. Appreciate you being there. Okay, bye-bye. All right, that opens up the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I was thinking we haven't done Facebook. Should we do uh, for Susan? She wanted to know about uh, OKTA. Yes, Uh, let's look at OKTA. I'll pull up what they do, too. This is Okta Inc. is is the name of the company as well. All righty, let's see. Yeah, Okta Inc. Uh, okay. I feel like T-A. we've looked at this before. I'm, I might be wrong because I it's remember Susan looking at it. Call. I remember no. this before you think about it. <laughs> I just remember I was like, wow, this company is like, I've never heard of it. The name's Okta, but it's a $36 billion company. So I was like, hmm. Huh. Okay. I, I remember having some type some, of thought process. Yeah, like it's not before. a name you would for, forget, I yeah. guess. So, but uh, their symbol is OKTA, the same way you spell the company. Unfortunately, no PE ratio versus 62 for the industry. Wow, price to sales, 48 versus 12.7. That's very expensive. 
Uh, price to book value, 61. That's expensive, but the industry is expensive at 106. And no price to cash flow versus 39. Now, they do not pay a dividend. Their sales are up 43.8% year over year, well above the industry at 12.3. However, earnings per share fell by 16.8% when the industry is up 9.3. The balance sheet is not very good. Current ratio is 4.8 versus 2.1. That's that's good. But the debt to equity, 256 versus 79. You would want to take a close look at that balance sheet to see why that debt is so far off. Sometimes the equity is so small uh, and the debt is so high that you, you, know, you can kind of look at it a little bit differently there. Uh, return on equity, yeah, unfortunately, a negative 45 versus a positive 27 for the industry. Net prof- profit margin also a negative 31 versus a positive 20. And then we do see we see one turnover 6.4 versus 6.3. What do you got for the earnings? And what does the company do, Chase? Did you, did you yeah, so it? I looked into the company actually provides identity management platforms for enterprises, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, universities, nonprofits, and government agencies as well. Uh, some of the things that is examples like uh, adaptive multi-factor authentication, uh, that provides like an additional layer of security for cloud, mobile, and web applications. So they're involved in that kind of IT protection, I mm-hmm. guess is what I would say. And, you know, this is something that, that we've kind of faced at our business having to go through this. And, I mean, it's something that's so important. I can tell you, I hate it. It's a pain in the butt because it <laughs> makes it harder. But there's just so many hackers and things on the dark web out there that it, it's it's a dangerous world when you get online. So um, it's definitely a, a valuable service. But the problem is that... I'm wondering how valuable this company is. Because <laughs> I look at the current price here, $282.94, 52-week high, $287.35. Done very well off the 52-week low, though, of $88.66. I bring up the value question because I look out to January 2022. Estimated earnings per share on a non-GAAP basis is just one penny. So that would give us a target sell price of 16.6 6 cents. <laughs> but you look on a <laughs> GAAP basis... They're actually still estimated to lose $2.15. So um, I appreciate what the company does, but I, I can't recommend it as an investment at this time. This is likely a, a growth story. There's not much value to it. I do see their top line is estimated to continue to grow quite nicely in terms of the revenue, but I just uh, not what we do uh, in terms of looking for, for value. And, and Chase and Susan, the other thing, too, that people don't think about, yeah, yes, this is very important. The demand is high. But what about competition? How many people are out there doing this? I mean, and I love the company that we use, but I know they're not the only company. So there could be a lot of companies out there doing this great service, which means that we just talk about Qualcomm the chips. You can't really raise your prices if there's 10 other guys behind you willing to do this. So that's the thing I look at, too. How many other companies are doing this type of uh, what I call protection, Internet protection? I mean, what's a summary word for it? I mean, just... Uh, yeah, IT internet protection, se- internet, internet security, security internet yeah. security. Yeah, I mean, identity management. I think is what they, what they was the with. top line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, I I love the guys that do us uh, do our for our firm, but still, um, I think there's a lot of other companies that do it. So that, that's a problem. You got to look at earnings. Bottom line. So if you had this company at two, what was it, two eighty two was the yeah. price? Yeah, I I would have to say I'd I'd probably be wanting to sell and get out of that because um, I think expensive. it's expensive. Exactly. All righty, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Billy. Billy, you're on the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, Brett, how you doing? Good, how you doing? Uh, 
Pretty good. So three quick things. First thing is we met uh, 1987 when you were like both of us were kind of younger. And, uh, <laughs> you, you came in, you came into my house and you were selling us a product. And so I know this is going to end with you got to be kidding me. But do you remember me? <laughs> I do not. I'm sorry. And, and 80, 87. Yeah, that was a 87. Long, yeah. San yeah. Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Calm on Mountain Rest. Uh, so the second thing is when you a uh, little update, when you made that statement about the Social Security that uh, you can only sign up for it one time in your lifetime, mm -hmm. you, you actually can withdraw from it one time in your lifetime, which is what I did. And uh, I'm kind of fighting a little tax thing right now where Social Security sent it 1099 saying they paid me for two months and I paid them back, which is what you have to do. And I have their canceled check, but they said I got to work with my CPA, which is what I'm going to do, because they said they gave me this money. They didn't recognize my check yet. They said, yeah, we'll work on that. Probably get to it uh, early next year sometime. Um, but you can withdraw from it one time, just uh, just for your update. Yeah, and Billy, I was going to say, because Harris and I, I mean, we, we have conversations in the office. And I, I, I wanted to say, but I wasn't sure that I thought that you uh, had in one year or something to where you could do something. And that's why I didn't want to give it out there. I mean, he's the expert yeah, on this. Yeah, once right? in a lifetime. It. Yeah, once in a lifetime yeah. it is, yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, and the third thing is my company, Quidel. Um, So it's a biotech company. And as you know, the world is into COVID right now. Yes. And we, uh, we manufacture COVID tests. And, uh, you know, all this information is public, of course. But we do about 50 million uh, a year, and we're setting up a new factory to do 50 million a month uh, of that home test. And I was just wondering, can you give me a little, you know, advice on, uh, you know, a biotech company into COVID over the long term? Because, you know, uh, COVID is going to uh, be around for a while, and people are going to want to know if you're positive or if you had the, you know, COVID already and all that stuff. Uh, so if you could look at the uh, Quidel, Q-D-E-L is the symbol. Okay. And talk to me a little bit about it. Sure, sure. We'll do that. And you say your company, do you work there? You're invested into it? or, or well, I just work there. I'm just, just a worker. Just you know? a worker. <laughs> Not just a worker. Yeah. You're very important. <laughs> so, <okay. Yeah. laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure that uh, they would not want to lose you. So let's look at uh, Quidel Corporation. Symbol is Q-D-E-L. Uh, I do see yes. a P-E ratio of 27.8 versus the industry at not material. Price to sales looks good, 9.9 .9 versus 12.7. Price to book value, 26 versus 13.9. And then price to cash flow, mm -hmm. 23.6 versus not material. So valuation ratio is kind of mixed there a little bit. We do what see, does not material mean? Uh, means that the, the number could not be computed, where, where uh, the, the bottom number exceeded the top number. So oh, you okay. just can't compute any number for it, yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry about that. No problem. No problem. So the sales uh, year over year, they were up 95%. No surprise there. So what they do versus the industry at 13.2. Right. Earnings per share year over year for the last 12 months up 378 versus a negative 6.3. We do say current ratio wow. 2.7. Yeah, I mean, these numbers are looking pretty decent. Current ratio 2.7 versus 4. That's okay. Love this one. Debt to equity 0.8 versus 48 yeah. so they have virtually no debt i'm gonna say no debt on the no debt no yeah. Debt. yeah return on equity wow very good too 53.6 versus a negative 20 net profit margin 36.9 versus a negative 28 
and receivable turnover 4.7 versus 4.9, inventory turnover 3.3 versus 2.1. And Chase, I'm very excited to hear the earnings on this. I'm going to have a feeling it's going to be overpriced, but I'm <laughs> we got to hear the numbers here for, for Billy. Well, it's a very interesting story, but uh, I'll get started here with the current price, $237. 52-week high is $306.72, and 52-week low, well, that's $72.99. So they've obviously done well off that low due to COVID. Uh, this, is where it gets, COVID, right? this is where it gets very, very interesting. You go out to December 2021, the estimated earnings per share, it's $37.90. We'll give you a target sell price of $629.14. Whoa. But the problem here is, <laughs> There's more as you said, with COVID, they're going to be a big benefactor of that. And you point out yeah. kind of the testing and so forth. Well, I believe maybe what's going to happen is more people get vaccinated. The need for testing should decline because you go out to 2022, those earnings drop from $37.90 down to $11.22. So just to use that as a uh, number for our multiple of 16.6, we get a target sell price then of $186.25. So it's going to be very tough to predict how, I'm going to say, your company transforms uh, and takes the profits they're making from COVID and Putting that into the future of the business, can they make that a, a profitable change? It perhaps could be, but it's it's a very tough prediction, and um, I normally don't like to see that kind of earnings volatility. It, it makes it the stock very volatile as well. Yeah, and you want to look to yeah. see what, what they're doing for I'm the sorry, other, yeah, what they're doing their R and D for other drugs going out there because they may have something else that's going to come up in 2021 or 2022. I mean, the numbers don't show mm -hmm. that. But sometimes you have right. to kind of understand, well, what else do they have coming out with? Because that could save the company, but they can't just ride on COVID because COVID eventually will be like, remember SARS? Yeah. They, you know, eventually it's, it's not going to be a big thing. And I know it's a big thing now, but it, it's, something else is going to replace that. Uh, that's going to be more concern here in our country. And hopefully they have something yeah. in the pipeline to, to displace yeah. that lost revenue. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they do. Uh, just, just one, uh, when you were talking about predictions, the thing that I think about is the world because we do supply international, and when you hear the numbers of how fast the United States is going to get vaccinated, and then you hear the numbers of how slow the world is going to get vaccinated, mm -hmm. the, I, I think worldwide there's still going to be that need for some time now for whether you – the antigen of whether you are sick or the antibody of whether you did have it, uh, and at-home tests and all that stuff – uh, I think when you look at the, uh, you know, in the world perspective that we supply internationally, I think that's going to play a part in, in the longevity of, yeah. of uh, a company like us. And I, I think it could, but I, I look pre-COVID. So 2019, the company made $2.97. So I think that right. is kind of factored in. And, and this is, again, a far out estimate. I go out to 2023, there's one analyst, he predicts $5.50. I think they're still estimating there's going to be some lingering impact of COVID testing, I mean, that's almost, not quite, but a, almost 100% increase in earnings from 2019. So I think they're estimating right. that's still going to be around. But of course, it's not going to be here in the U.S. where we've had this amount of testing and we're going to have $37.90 in 2021. It is going to kind of peter out and, and uh, continue to fall, I think, over time, which is a problem. You don't like to see declining sales, declining earnings. That's where it comes into they can still ride COVID over the next few years. But where do they displace that lost revenue that they had from COVID to continue to grow the business? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. All right, Billy. Okay. 
All right. Hey, All right. Thinking... Every, every 33 years, let's uh, not fail to meet. Well, well I was going to say, actually, I, I was going to say like 34 years, 87, but but whatever. It's like, uh, I think what we need to do is maybe oh, meet for a right. beer. It's 2021. Right. <laughs> 2021. So we'll have to meet for a beer sometimes when, when things kind of reopen. Yeah. We'll, we'll meet for a beer and and uh kind of catch up because yeah, yeah, that'd I mean, be wonderful yeah you remember me that long ago remember me that's that's just phenomenal so thanks Bill. i appreciate that yeah okay but right, bye-bye all righty what a great call that was gosh you know so he's nice 1987 to... i wasn't even born yet no you weren't even <laughs> thought of you weren't even a seed yet yeah so, <laughs> phone number is 866-577-2473 that's 866-577-2473 uh let's go up to oceanside and speak with tim Tim, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent. Hi, Chase. Hey, I have a question about a small company, um, HES. They manufacture slot machines. Oh. It's probably a, com- probably a company you'll hate. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, we can be a little more optimistic there. Come on now. <laughs> do, do you hold uh, it or looking to buy it? Not your thing. Uh, looking to buy it, just but a speculative position, not like a core holding. Just I think of it as a crapshoot. Okay, well, and, and that's good that you you look at that. I mean, because because we we may not like it. I see there's no earnings right off the the bat. Um, but when you understand what you're doing, saying well, that's a crapshoot. It's kind of like something that is more of a gamble. I'm trying to get. Hopefully, you know, we hope it works out for you. But you know, again, we manage our clients' money. We always want to make sure that we're we're not taking the big risk. But let's take a look at play. AGS Incorporated, symbol is AGS. We do see no PE ratio versus 31 for the industry. Price to sales, 1.1 versus 0.7. No price to book value, same as the industry. And price to cash flow checks in at 9.9. That's not too bad compared to the industry at 8.9. Now, unfortunately, sales were down 33.7%, industry down 0.74. Earnings per share fell by 189% when the industry was down 35 uh, unfortunately here, uh, Tim, looking at the balance sheet, is really getting kind of scary here. you got a current ratio of 4.8 versus 1. That's good. But debt to equity is 1,001 versus 230. Return on equity is a negative 69 versus a positive 17. Net profit margin is a negative 34 versus a positive 2.4. And receivable turnover, 4.1 below the interest of 5.8. And inventory turnover, 2 versus 8.1. So things so far are not looking very good. Uh, Chase, are there any earnings for this company? Something positive that we can uh, agree with Tim on? Uh, yeah, so looking at the current price here, it's $6.09, 52-week high, $10.72, and wow, 52-week low, $0.70. Wow, wish we would have bought it at $0.70. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be phenomenal. <laughs> but uh, looking out to December 2021, I do see, unfortunately, an estimated loss of $1.32. So can't derive a target sell price from that. I mean, as you said, they are in the gambling industry, and this yep. is definitely a gamble. I think it is – I'm going to say I, I like the concept here because I, I, I'm guessing you're thinking as things open and Vegas continues to you know, improve, I, I guess this company would kind of benefit from that. So I, I like the theory. Uh, just it's a gamble. Yeah, it's a gamble, gamble company. And, and I did look. There's like five analysts that follow it, uh, six analysts that follow So it's not too bad. But they're, no one sees it making any money here. They're all seeing them losing money. So it is a, a risky bet here. But uh, you're right. I think as things open up and uh, it, it, it could do better. But, you know, you, you got the right attitude, Tim. I, I would never buy this. But if you want to take the, the, the shot on it, I'd, I'd say fine. Go ahead. So It sounds like 
I might be better off gambling somewhere else. <laughs> you could gamble uh, playing blackjack. I don't know. Or yeah. craps. You know? Yeah. yeah. As I always say, you go to Vegas, at least you get, you know, free drinks and you get, you know, fun stuff like that. So, you yeah. Know, when, when you we gamble on a trade, all you get to do is you get to press that button. You know? <laughs> at least you get the atmosphere in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, Tim. Always, always good. And by the way, the Lamborghini, you're uh, the most beautiful car I've ever made. I know you're a Lamborghini aficionado. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully when things, because I've not, I used to have car shows all the time. There's not really been any car shows in 2020. I'm hoping right. that there's more car shows in, in 2021 where I can start getting them out there. And actually, we've talked, and I don't know if Chase even knew this yet, but we've talked about doing our own car show for a uh, Wilson Asset Management at our office and having all exotic come out and then we'll have other my cars and other cars come out there and do it on a Sunday because on Saturday morning that's when car shows are we can't do it because yeah. we're here so I'm thinking about doing one on Sunday so we'll, we'll see if that uh, comes up and if that does hopefully you can make it out to, to see him alrighty I'd like to do that thanks guys thanks for your help alright Tim thanks for calling have a good one bye bye alrighty 866-577-2473 that's 866-577 Two four seven three. Uh, you know, I saw that, uh, and again, sometimes we get kind of backed up, and we, we, we don't want to just rush through the people and just go the numbers. We like to have the conversations. Uh, unfortunately, Clift and Chula Vista hung up, but I think we can still look at his company for him because yeah, uh, all phone lines are open. So, so let's do that for Cliff and Chula Vista. Uh, ISR is the symbol, right? Yeah, ISR. Uh, let's see what that looks like, and we'll run all the numbers for Cliff. So I hope Cliff is still listening. Our company is. ISO Ray Incorporated. I guess I said that right. Symbol is ISR. Unfortunately, Cliff, no PE ratio versus 50 for the industry. Price to sales, 16.5. That's very expensive. Double the industry at 8.4. Price to book value, 32. That's expensive, but the industry is not material. There's no number there. And then uh, price to cash flow is not material versus 38 for the industry. They do not pay a dividend. Their sales year over year were up 21%. Uh, industry was up 8.6. Uh, earnings per share, they were up 25.5 when the industry was only up 6, so that looks pretty good. The balance sheet, well, here we go. Got a good balance sheet. Uh, current ratio 3.1 versus 2.6. Debt to equity 0 versus 49. Unfortunately, return to equity is a negative 56 versus a positive 14.5. Net profit margin also is negative 34.3. That's a big decline. Uh, versus 16.6. I say a big decline, but a big hit, actually, on what your, your sales are. Uh, receivable turnover, 5.9 versus 5.4. That's good. Inventory turnover, very good. 8.1 versus 2.8. Chase, I know you probably pulled up what this company does and the earnings, so why don't you share with us there? There's a company here. It is a, a biotech-type company here, healthcare-type company. Uh, they do develop, manufacture, and sell isotope-based medical products and devices for the treatment of cancer and other uh, malignant uh, diseases, butchered that word there, but I don't know what that word is. Uh, not a healthcare professional. We'll just, we'll <laughs> yeah. just move on. We'll move on from that. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the United States and uh, internationally, it says the company produces CS1, cesium-131 brachytherapy seeds for the treatment of prostate, brain, lung, head, and neck, uh, pelvic, abdominal, and uh, other types of cancers as well. So they're in the cancer space. Uh, it is a very small company. Again, a market cap of 160.7 million. Has a current price of one dollar and sixty-one cents. Fifty-two week high, two dollars and eighty-one cents, and fifty-two week low was just thirty-five cents. Unfortunately, I go out to June 2022. The company's estimated to lose three cents. And uh, as I said, very small business. They only do about 
$5.9 million is what they're estimated doing revenue for 2022. So this is another one, uh, you know, I they could get some big contract right. and, and blow through the roof. Or if they don't get these contracts or something happens with the FDA, FDA and healthcare is an issue here, the uh, company is going to fizzle out. So big, big risk here. It's, again, like our last right. company, even though it's not in the gambling industry, that is still a gamble. Right. And also, too, if you're going to go into these type of companies, these biotech companies and so forth, you really have to spend some time to try to understand what they're doing. Yes, I, they do something with cancer. But it's not just something with cancer. You want to kind of do some heavy reading to really understand, well, what is it they're doing with cancer? Who's the competition? What's it going to do? How close are they? What's the FDA think about it? I mean, you're buying a business. And we, we always tell people before we invest in a business, it's 10, 15, 20 hours of research. We don't just jump in. The more complicated the product, that's, that's why Warren Buffett didn't buy a lot of these complicated pro- product uh, companies because you can understand the product. Yeah. Very easy to understand what McDonald's does or, yep. you know, Big Macs. Big Macs. <laughs> yeah, Big Macs are selling Big Macs. Gosh, I wish In N Out was oh, public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do a great job. But if you're going to go into these type of companies, you really want to spend some time doing some heavy reading. And you, the thing, too, the, there's one thing that you couldn't even pronounce the word because it's so hard. You may not even understand what you're reading because they use medical terminology. So, I, I just wouldn't invest in this if I couldn't understand more about it. Uh, and the numbers tell us not even spend the time on it. And the other thing is that you got to be careful of is I think a lot of times people will read and they'll pretend to understand it. And you, I don't, I, I, we have a, a company that's a biotech company in the portfolio. I read it. I don't pretend to know the science behind it. You have to be very careful of mm-hmm. getting involved. That We look more at the business side of, okay, as you said, kind of right. looking at the business details. So I've talked to people, oh, I'm looking at this biotech because they do this, this, and this. And it's like, but do you really understand what that means? And it's not really. So you have to be very careful with these small biotechs. And you have to know they're a gamble. And they do pay out big when they hit. Right. <clears throat> but there's also a lot of biotechs that fold and go under. So you have to go into it with that realization. And just because you do the reading doesn't justify a reason to actually hold the company. So be cautious with it. Uh, I hope that helps, I guess, there. and Yeah, because you're not going to understand the details of it, but you have to have a general concept of, of what that business does. And, and again, like the, the one that we hold, it's a big one, uh, but uh, we understand conceptually what they're doing, what yep. the drugs are that they're working with. So you understand And that. we understand conceptually what the downfalls could be. Yes. Same thing with this. You have to yep. understand what the downfalls yep. could be. Yep. And, and again, not just biotech, but any company you do, finance company, anything, make sure you understand it you know, very well. All right. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to El Cajon and speak with Tom. Tom, you're in the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yes. Hi. How are you guys? Um, Good. How are you doing? My request is uh, I'm going to say the uh, symbol and then the name of the uh, company. Okay. It's NMFC, New Mountain Finance Corp. Perfect. It has a 10%, 10% uh, dividend. Oh, okay. And do you hold that, Tom, or look at buying it? I do hold it. Now you... I wanted, I'm thinking about buying more. Okay. And. You, when you say that, percentage-wise, how much does it make up in your portfolio? Not much. Not much. Uh, no, I, I, 3%, okay. 4%, right. but I'm looking to buy more, like I said. Okay. Well, let's take a look at the numbers here for you. Again, the company is New Mountain Finance Corporation. Symbol is NMFC. Unfortunately, a bad start with a P.E. ratio at 81 versus 2.1 for the industry. That's very expensive. Price to sales also expensive, 4.2 versus 0.2. Price to tangible book value, 0.98, just slightly ahead of the industry at 0.7. And no price to cash flow 
versus one for the industry. Now I see why you're so excited about this company with a 10% dividend yield, but right now their dividend payout ratio, how much earnings they use to pay that out is 900%. So something strange is going on here. Let's see if we can't find out what it is. Now sales were up 4.5%, industry down 6.4. Here's the problem. Earnings fell by 106%, industry was up 24. So obviously they have declining earnings. They're trying to maintain that dividend at 10%. They may have to cut that depending on why their earnings fell uh, 106% year over year. The balance sheet uh, is looking kind of weak here. No current ratio versus 2.3. Uh, total debt to equity 152 versus 9,568. Well, that's a kind of strange one. Uh, we do see return on equity is 1.2 versus 36. So that's not good. Net profit margin does check in at 5.5%, but the industry is at 10.7. And then we see receivable turnover 7.3, well ahead of the industry at 1.4. Chase, very curious on the earnings going forward and what did you find out what this company does? And yeah, it is a uh, it says it's a business development company specializing uh, in investments in middle market companies and debt securities at various levels of the capital structure, including first and second lien debt, unsecured notes, bonds, uh, and other types of securities there as well. Uh, they talk a lot about just kind of the company invests ten million and between ten million and fifty million in these different middle markets and so forth. So I'm wondering if they just have a high dividend because it's almost like what they're paying out to their shareholders. It doesn't seem like they do much operationally. It seems like they invest the money and pay it out. Uh, that's just a speculation here based off the limited reading I've done with this business. And and you said it's a business development company. BDCs is what they were. They were very hot a couple of years ago. The new hot thing is SPACs. So I think these have now fallen to the wayside, uh, and now the SPACs are relative. So these are kind of risky, but I'll let you continue. Yeah, so we'll, we'll look at the numbers here first, though. The uh, the current price, $11.97, 52-week high, $14.45, and 52-week low, $4.62. I go out to December 2021. I do see estimated earnings per share of $1.21. There are five analysts there. About at the, the minimum we'd like to see is five. That would give us a target sell price of $20.09. So I'm going to say the numbers look good on it in terms of the valuation, but the complexity of the business scares me. I, I right. don't understand enough about it. You really have to understand this because you could get blindsided down the road. It's like, whoa, how did that happen? It's like, oh, <laughs> didn't really know what the company did. And, and Tom, I'm going to give you some homework here. I'm going to give you some homework to, to go study up on business development companies, BDCs, because there's, and I can't remember off the top of my head, the problems with them were, but it's another product that kind of Wall Street created that Wall Street makes money and the small investor loses money. So, so do some heavy research on BDCs and the company. But I think when you invest in or look at BDCs, you probably won't be as thrilled with, with the, the investment there. All righty? Okay, thanks a lot. You're welcome, Tom. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 Two four seven three. Let's go back to Facebook. Uh, David wants to know about uh, SBTX. Do you have any more details on that, Chase? Nope. Just said SBTX question mark. Oh, okay. Well, short and to the point. Short and to the point. That's not Starbucks, is it? No. Okay. I think Starbucks is SBUX. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, what happened? Oh, okay. I'm. I got kind of slow here. It's a skin company. A skin company. All righty. Well, let's see about that then. SBTX. Uh, Silverback Therapeutics is the name of the business. Silverback. 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 Okay, yeah, Silverback Therapeutics Incorporated, symbol SBTX. I have a feeling it's going to be a small company. 
Uh, we do see no PE ratio versus 73 for the industry. No price of sales. And these are all September 30th. No price to, no, there's a price to book value. I'm sorry. 10.7 versus not material for the industry. No price of cash flow. No dividend. No, no sales. Now it's possible maybe they just report earnings. And that's why all this is, because I'm, I'm getting nothing here. I'm getting enough. Earnings per share year over year, negative 17%. I do have the balance sheet, current ratio 17.9 versus 1.4, but very strange, quick ratio is not material. So this all could be an inventory and accounts receivable. Going to be careful of that. Uh, debt to equity looks good, 0.8 versus 120. And I've got no management effectiveness, no profitability, no receivable turnover. Do you have anything, Chase? Uh, not much here. I, I can tell you the uh, current price for Silverback Therapeutics. It's uh, forty-three dollars, or excuse me, forty-two dollars and thirty-nine cents. Uh, the fifty-two week low here, twenty-four dollars and twenty-two cents, and fifty-two week high is fifty-four dollars and forty-one cents. Quite surprised. Market cap is approaching one point five billion dollars. Wow. So I'm kind of surprised by that. But looking at the analysts going forward, the company's estimated to lose a dollar and seventy-one cents in two thousand twenty-one. And here's the other thing, no estimated revenue for 2021 either. So this is a company that I think has drugs in the pipeline, but right. haven't come due yet, which makes this extremely risky because if those drugs don't pass FDA approval, uh, this, this stock's going nowhere, but down. So, so you're not saying there's no analysts that estimate the revenue. It there says is. there's four analysts, NA is the estimate. So they expect no no revenue, or they're yeah. just not sure at this point. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, David, yeah. And it's a clinical stage biopharmaceutical okay, company, so, so that makes sense. I looked at the London stock. Sorry, that, that London stock says it's a skin company, so that was my fault. Okay, <laughs> no worries. No, we'll let you go this time, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, it's one of these companies that, uh, again, you could hit it really big. Uh, and You could get a 10, 10 time you know, increase in your portfolio, but it, it could, you know, go away and you get, get nothing. And, I, and I've just never been that type of philosophy to bet big. Uh, because I'd rather have that eight to ten percent return that we we talk about uh, in our portfolio over the long term. Uh, you do very well because once you lose it, you can get it back. You're not going to have that money back there. So yeah, yeah. Alrighty, phone number is eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, good morning, guys. The um, the stock I'm looking at is John Deere. Oh, okay. And do you hold that or looking at uh, buying it? I hold it. I've held it for years and actually looking to add to my position. Okay. All righty. Uh, let's see. Here we go. All righty. And I did read an article on John Deere and uh, Barron's last week, and they talked a lot about just how it's kind of shifting into more of a software type business. Where really? The problem with John Deere was in the past, you know, you got to sell all the the tractors and stuff yeah. and it's a lot more cyclical but now they're kind of installing more technology and tracking different things and tracking the agriculture and it's kind of hopefully mm -hmm. generating more reoccurring revenue which could be a benefit to it and, and, and right. they're, they're a little bit different than caterpillar because john deere from my understanding and we've never invested i've looked at it before yeah. is that they're more of a farming type company they have a lot of tractors and stuff so they're not they're, they're, mm -hmm. they don't really Compete with Caterpillar is kind of a little different. So let's take a look at the numbers that Deere and Company uh, symbol is DE. Uh, not a bad spa, uh, start here. The PE ratio 36 versus 40 for the industry. Price to sales 2.7 versus 1.8. Price to book value 11.4 versus 11.7. And price to book value 
I'm sorry, price of cash flow is 19.8. That's well above the industry at 11.4. I'm surprised on this. You only get a 1% dividend, and they use 35% of their earnings to pay that out. I, I thought I was going to see a, either a real low payout ratio, or I would expect a higher dividend. So I'm kind of surprised that that's such a low dividend of 1%. Uh, we do see sales did fall by 9.5%, not as bad as the industry fall of 16%. That's year over year for the last 12 months. Earnings per share did fall by 12.5%, also not as bad as the industry decline of 48%. Uh, the balance sheet, I don't see a current ratio uh, versus 1.9 for the industry. Debt to equity is 355 versus 178, but I have a suspicion perhaps uh, they do financing on their tractors. We do see return to equity is 22.6 versus 12.7. Net profit margin 7.9 versus 4.5. Inventory turnover, well, that's 4.3. That's better than the industry at 3.4. And receivable turnover, very good, 7.5 versus 3.6. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Uh, so looking at the current price here, it is $309.24, right near a 52-week high of $313.02 and 52-week low $106.14. I go out to October 2022, though. The estimated earnings per share, well, that's $15.67. Unfortunately, it gives us a target sell price of $260.12. So I think, as I mentioned, a lot of people are excited about deer right now. I'm excited about the way the business is heading, but uh, it's it's pricey, I think, based off the excitement. So yeah. I, I'd be mm-hmm. I'd be kind of patient with it. Uh, I know you said you were thinking about adding more. I, I don't know if I would add more at this level. Actually, I know I wouldn't add more at this I level, would. I guess is what I would say. <laughs> I, I, think, I think patience would pay off here because uh, – and again, it could be mixed in with a lot of high flyers. Like Caterpillar, I think, is now overpriced. And I think people think, and again, I could be wrong on this, but I think they think John Deere and Caterpillar do the same thing. And I think it's two different type of vehicles. Well, and I, I think it's interesting, too, is that at the beginning of the year, you know, it kind of talked, well, technology did so well in 2020. So we think industrials is going to be the place to be. And I think that it's kind of provided a little bit of hype to this, this sector. And industrials, while it didn't do phenomenally last year by any means, I mean, John Deere, as you can tell from the 52-week load of the current price, it's, it's up, you know, about threefold. Um, it's not creating a, much of a value opportunity at the current price is, is kind of mm-hmm. what I was saying. When we looked at industrial companies, we couldn't find any industrial companies that pre- present any value either. So I, yeah. I don't know what kind of the, the pundits were thinking there, but there's not much value in industrials or technology for that matter either. And, 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 yeah, I, I, uh, I think I think that the the dividend there, you know, is you've had like you said, Chase, you've had that three X run up, so that's affected the dividend there. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's down around one percent. But because it always it normally paid up around two and a half percent, it was actually a pretty good dividend payer. Yeah, yeah. So. And that can also be an indicator too, uh, as you talk about. Well, now the dividend's so low because it's probably too expensive. Um, mm-hmm. But what I would do if I would hold it, I, I really would want to kind of verify what I said that where do they get their business from? I mean, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of talking off my general knowledge of what I see that I think they do a lot more in the farming industry, and I could be agriculture. wrong. Agriculture. Agriculture, um, mm-hmm. because maybe they have other things. And I I, I want to say, dude, I think they even have, like, lawnmowers. Do they have lawnmowers, too? I think so. Well, you know, they, they, they have, like, a lot of lawn care, like, you know, for golf courses and also, yeah. you know, small tractors and things like that, too. So they have, they have a pretty diversified business. I've got the annual report right here, so I'll go through it later on. Oh, I thought you were going to go but, through um, it on there. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a little bit of time there, John. <laughs> <laughs> only, have, only have 10 minutes left. You know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, if you get a chance, I mean, uh, you know, after you read it, maybe just, I mean, usually call in quite frequently. I mean, give us a call next week. I'm just kind of curious what they really do. And 
Yeah, give mm-hmm. us a summary next week after you read through it. Already? All right. You bet. Thanks for calling, John. Have a good one. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye. All righty. Uh, yeah, we got time for another one. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Uh, Chase, uh, since we got... Oh no, we got uh, we got another call coming in. Okay, I was, I was going to talk about uh, something else here on on uh, Exxon Mobil and Chevron about their merger, yeah. but uh, we always take our calls first. So let's go out to uh, Mission Viejo and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Well, uh, I'm calling about Neptune, N E P T. I'd like to have your uh, viewpoints on it. I've ha- had it for several years. I think it's going to go somewhere, but. I could be wrong. All righty. And I do see I put in uh, Neptune Wellness Solutions Incorporated. Is that the company? Yes. All right. Why am I not getting anything here? It says, uh, oh, yeah, it was like a non-listed U.S. company. So it's not a U.S. company. Okay, that's what I do. I got to change my uh, view here of what we're actually doing and see where it's uh, based out of. Okay. So here we go. It could be an ADR because uh, I, I got more here. So coming again is Nep- Neptune Wellness Solutions Incorporated. Symbol is NEPT. Uh, I can't compare it to the industry, but I can see the numbers. There's no PE ratio. Uh, we do see price to sales looks expensive, 5.4. Price to book value looks okay, 3.9. And no price to cash flow. Now they do not pay a dividend. Now their sales appear to be on fire up 200% year over year, but earnings, uh, well, Jim, they fell uh, by 27%. So their sales are doing well, but earnings are not. Uh, Look at the balance sheet, got a current ratio 2.6, that's good. Debt to equity 2.9, that's very good as well. We do see return equities a negative 45. Uh, We see net profit margin, wow, a negative 97. Uh, Receivable turnover 4.7, that looks okay. Inventory looks okay at 4.7 as well. So some negatives and positive chase. Any earnings you got going forward? And what so is this company? It is based? a Canadian company. Canadian company. Is actually where Neptune Wellness Solutions is. Uh, to kind of look at it briefly, but uh, builds a portfolio of lifestyle brands and consumer packaged goods products under the Forest Remedies and Ocean Remedies brands is is what they do here. And I, I do see kind of where some of the excitement's coming from. In 2020, uh, they do report on a fiscal year. The company had sales of 29.58. Uh, million uh, go out to 2021 it's estimated to be 123 so there's a lot of top line growth there that, that we've kind of seen I think that's where it's getting excitement from but the current price is 2.84 Canadian dollars 52 week high is 4.8 Canadian dollars and 52 week lows 1.35 Canadian dollars unfortunately uh, no estimated earnings in 2022 so this is again a kind of a, a hype company it could you know, get some approvals here and, and grow and, and be that big winner you're thinking it could be here. But uh, tough to, to generate a, a target sell price based off our methodology of looking at forward earnings. Yeah, because it's, it's, the sales are growing. But again, you want to come in that's making profits and could be could do very well, but also a lot of risk there. All right, Jim? Well, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I thank you so very much. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Right. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, we got time for one more caller, I think. Uh, let's go out to Poway and speak with Steve. Steve, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, guys. I really appreciate your uh, solid advice when it comes to investing. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, I'd like you to look at Exxon, if you would. XOM. Okay, do you hold that or looking to buy it? I do. I have about maybe 7% of my portfolio in Exxon. Okay. Let's say it's uh, Exxon Mobil Corporation, symbol is XOM. 
Unfortunately, no PE ratio, but that's the same as the industry. Price of sales, 1.2. That is good compared to the industry at 2.1. Uh, no price to book value and no price of cash flow. And I do see they report earnings already for December 31st, so that could be why some of these numbers are not here yet. Uh, we do say they pay, wow, 7% dividend, no earnings to pay that dividend, unfortunately. Uh, sales were down 29.8%, industry down 25% year over year for the last 12 months. Earnings per share for ExxonMobil fell by 264, sounds high, but the industry down 443. Uh, I do not see a current ratio or debt to equity possible. The balance sheet has not been released yet. Uh, we see return on equity again, nothing there. Again, I think the balance sheet's not been released yet. Net profit margin, well, that checks in at a negative 13 versus a negative 63 for the industry and no receivable or inventory turnover. Uh, Chase, what do you got for earnings going for in ExxonMobil? Yeah, so current price here for Exxon, $49.95, 52-week high, $61.66, and that 52-week low, $30.11. To go out to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $3.22 would give us a target sell price of $53.45. So would place Exxon in the hold category at the current time. I think their balance sheet is still okay. If I can recall from their last um, earnings report, I think that their debt wasn't uh, extraordinarily high. I think it was in an okay spot. I, I do worry about Exxon. Talked about them in the past compared to Chevron. I, I think Chevron's been... Uh, making a lot more valuable investments over the last few years, while Exxon's kind of focused more on the dividend, which I think has hurt the overall operations of the business. Um, but as I said, it, it, it'd be in the, the hold category is, is where I'd place Exxon. Yeah, and also, too, I, I have a feeling I, that I'm that oil is going to do well because of an administration going forward, because there's a big push for electric and so forth, electric vehicles. Well, we're not going to get there tomorrow. I mean, you have companies saying 2030, 2035, um, but yet we've cut off the pipeline. Uh, we're, we're stopping as drilling on, on federal lands. I think there's going to be a shortage of oil, which could push the price up. So maybe, uh, and there's going to be a time to get out of it because eventually we'll get to those electric vehicles. Uh, but maybe there's a time to be in oil and Exxon going forward. The, the, the key is going to be what year do you get out of it? But um, yeah. the numbers don't justify it. So perhaps there's a pullback to get into it. But uh, we have one oil company in, in our portfolio um, I would even consider maybe adding another one because of the big push for electric vehicles, which is not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So, yeah. and I mean, we, yeah. we know that prices are going to kind of go up, unfortunately. So, uh, people think, oh, well, the new administration is terrible to have Exxon and Chevron. I, I don't think so because they're established players. It's going to be the, the shale producer. The shale producers are going to be the ones that I think get hurt the most. The right. small dogs, the big dogs are going to be able to raise prices. They're going to have less competition. Um, it's, it's kind of yeah. the truth of the matter here. And I, I think, I think Exxon, I, I'm not excited about buying it here, but you said you already hold it. I, I don't think I would sell it at this level. Right. And one thing that, uh, I did notice I got to get before they, they, we got to go to, go to the break here. Uh, a year ago, their debt was 47 billion now 69 billion. So that does worry me a little bit. All right, Steve. All right. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. All right. Bye -bye. All righty. Well, that pretty much uh, wraps it up there. And, and uh, yeah, but I, I just think there's something there. I can't put my arms around it yet. But if you're going to cut off, you know, fossil fuels so quickly, it's not going to be replaced by green energy that quick. And you're going to have a lag there, which means prices will go up. 
Yeah. One, I'm just looking here. We got the the road right outside that used oil. There's all these things that use oil <laughs> outside that we can't displace. So they're still going to be around even when we get the green energy. Right. All righty. Well, thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational person only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters, Refinitiv, closing song performed uh, by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.